Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Mowers, start your engines. It's the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Yes, great to have your company again on a beautiful Saturday morning. Time to fire up the mowers, the whippersnipper, the blowers, if you can be bothered firing up the blower. I'm Adam Peacock. Great to have your company. And Nick Davis won't have our company this morning because he can't be bothered once again. No, he's coaching his uh, his footy team in some part of this great nation we call Australia. And here is a man who represented this great nation and his state and numerous clubs. Brett Kamali is the co-host this morning, Noddy on the Mowers Club. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Mr. Peacock. How are we? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. I feel like I've done an apprenticeship under Nick Davis already because... Cronulla Sharks, obviously, he's a fan of the club. I played out there for a long time. Well, not at the moment. He's been paid by oh, the Roosters. Yeah. So. No, he's still a fan secretly, but he doesn't tell Nick he supports the Sharks. He gets the money off the Roosters. Or Trent. Or Trent. <laughs> but he was the kicking coach at the Cronulla Sharks for a lot of my time playing out there. Um, trying to teach the outside backs how to catch the ball like, obviously, the AFL players do. How to kick the ball straight like the great Nick Davis was able to do at a long, long distance. And, occasionally. Um, occasionally. Um, but, yeah, so. And how to go to Northies. No, I didn't. He didn't give me that lesson. <laughs> he gave some of the younger folks that yeah. lesson. Not, so. <laughs> we'll go past the family guy. You, you, you already beat it. I'd love to play a bit of golf with Nick. So obviously, a little bit yep. of apprenticeship there. And you and I have done. I was actually at a lunch the other day. Um, SEN lunch actually was for MEGT, and we were talking about uh, how'd you get in the media, about the media training that I was lucky enough to be reached out uh, by Fox Sports there with Duncan Armstrong and the two gentlemen that sort of guided me under was a bloke called Nick McArdle and an Adam Peacock on Fox Sports News. So. We just keep recycling, don't we? And one's one's flying on television right now and doing great things with rugby and he's got his own beer company and he's looking ahead to the World Cup and one bloke can't get a gig in television anymore and he's sitting here with you on a Saturday morning and couldn't think of a better place to be. Oh, just smell that grass being clipped. And, uh, <laughs> is it always greener on the other side or something? No, <laughs> no. I'm actually enjoying um, not having to uh, put on a collar or put on any pants, actually, and work from home and uh, write stories for a living at the moment. So that's good. What, what are you up to? I'm, I'm you... glad you've put pants on today, though. Yeah. Yeah, just to make him in. Just the shorts, just though. Just the shorts. <laughs> you know it's winter. It was freezing this morning. But, uh, no, lots of things happening. Obviously, yeah, we're still in the midst of – it's amazing Clubland still exists when State of Origin – so you're exact role in Clubland? Uh, West Tigers Pathways coaching manager. Uh, yep. I coach our ladies' side as well in the Harvey Norman women's. Um, and a, in the off-season, I do sort of one day a week with the NRL, just with the halves stuff, bits and pieces. But they're, they're in the flowing now and, and in competitive roles. So, mm. Cub, Cub we've we got some elite – we had some great success in the juniors at Belmain and West. And now we're, we're running yeah. a six-week Cubs program for our elite juniors as well to – Big area we cover uh, demographically on a map, obviously, um, but we bring them in together for a six-week program to to 
advance their skills and also get to see who's on the other side so that when they get the jersey flag is when they merge at our club. Yep. They effectively know that, oh, if we wait a bit longer, we'll effectively join and play with those players. So if I'm, depending on what position you play, like you could be a great big powerful front row or, or dummy half or forwards and then you look over at Bell May and you're like, well, there's, they've got a couple of halves over there or they've got the sprinklings or bits and pieces. So uh, really, really important that we, as a as a club for longer term, if you look what Penrith have done, Penrith I think have been seven years in that academy process. Yeah. And now they're reaping those rewards. You, you've got to take talent. Obviously, that's the one thing you can't pick. Yep. You've got to find it, and then you've got to coach it and develop it. So, yeah, I, I enjoy the role. I enjoy being back in the footy. I, mm. I, I love being not so much in club land too much with the politics at the team. At the top, you see a lot of it. But, but I think pathways. in the pathways, you're a bit, a bit away from all that. Well, it's huge. And if a club like West Tigers can get it right, given the opportunity, given the, the two junior bases yeah. that they could work with. And it's been said for a long, long time. I reckon if you look at the Tigers and you go, okay, pick the best 13 players of – pick 13 players who have debuted at a NRL club and are now elsewhere, I reckon the West Tigers would get together probably the best 13 players who have since left the club. So it's about um, developing and then keeping at the Tigers. We might go down that bunny hole a bit later on and, and talk about development because I had a question for you about the Dolphins because – They'd um, you look at it, look look at Penrith last night and what they did to the Dogs with all without their Origin players, and you think if you're the Dolphins, you're just going to take their best six next players. Potentially, yeah, that, that's not a bad recruitment tool. Go and find the best kids in the country and wait. It, it's it's probably what GWS did when they come in the competition under Kevin Sheedy as well. So well, they had the draft. They had the they the, had the draft the set, the set mechanism to push people yeah. to them, but also they had a Kevin Sheedy who was under no pressure and no results were important yeah. for him build a franchise and organization. So I think they've they've taken Wayne Bennett up there as the the master of Queensland. So he'll he'll spin the the media up there. He'll get obviously all those sponsors are on board already. I think they're sold out their 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 business part of the program with, yep. with labels on the jerseys and sponsorships and that. And then they'll attract the players. Um they've got a couple of signings, uh a big signings, I suppose the last two, couple of weeks. Like Felice Kafusi, very, very good player. Jesse Bromwich, very good player coming out of the Melbourne Storm system. So that's good for culture. And how to train. Um, Jeremy Marshall King, just a quality player. Um, who else have they gone? They've gone and got uh, a Parramatta back row, Ray Stone, who's just a tough Mark Nichols, just a tough guy that you can know that what you're going to get every week from. Yep. They'll have to put some polish around it. So there's a bit of news about, as you said, some of those Penrith. Penrith were coming second last year in reserve grade and I think leading the competition in Jersey flag mm. pre COVID. Yeah. So there's, and they're not going to play first grade. No. They're not playing first grade at Penrith in the short term. Not happening. Not happening. Uh, coming up on today's show on the Mowers Club, Lottie Takiri will join us uh, a bit later on. He, obviously, former Queensland player, dual international. Uh, Tim Horan with the Super Rugby Finals underway. The Tars playing uh, later this afternoon. Danny Baderas as well, Blues assistant coach. You played a few origins with Danny, I dare say. Played a few. Danny grew, grew, come from, obviously, Newcastle together. I was a couple of years older than Betsy, but, uh, yeah, so... Looking forward to talking to Danny to see how their preparations going for New South Wales. Listening to the Matty Johns show yesterday with the, the Johns trio in the studio, um, talking about Danny Baderas, the, the biggest neat freak Matty reckons he's ever seen in the history of rugby league in terms of a roommate. He used to kind of just, he was just unbelievable in terms of cleanliness and orderly function well, in that's the room. How, that's how he looks like he plays, doesn't he? Yes. But there's another gentleman I room with, I could probably put him on the opposite side of that. Yes. He was the grubbiest team teammate I've ever roomed with. Who's that? Jason Stevens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then played like that as well. Yeah? Yeah. 
Okay. Steve was disgusting to be in a room with <laughs> chocolate bars, wrappers in the bed with him, and the food. And I was like, oh, Steve, just pick up your stuff, mate. It just spread it around the whole room. Didn't, didn't, uh, <laughs> no, he didn't help. The big guy didn't pick didn't up anything. Did the big guy upstairs tell him to kind of get your stuff in get order? Your stuff Come in order, on. mate. Anyway, uh, and was Warren Smith will join us later on as well. Uh, Fox Sports commentator all over it for main event as well. The George Cambosis fight tomorrow. And the weigh-in happens in about an hour's time. So we'll be all over that because no doubt between he and Devin Haney, there will be some more trash talk at the, the weigh-in somehow. Do you reckon we'll get... Um, Gibbo, morning by the way. Um, do you reckon we'll get a little bit of, uh, you know, push and shove, maybe a bit of a, a wink or something at the weigh-in on the face-off? Yeah, well, they had a little bit of a stare-off yesterday, which I think George Cambosis Jr. won. I think it was something like 74 seconds and Haney was the first to pull away. So I think, 74 seconds stare-off? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I read this morning. That's so, little, you know, they're, they're my, he's got round one of the pre-fight stuff. Well, yep. maybe round two according to some of the other comments. Well, there's three flinches. There's the, the press conference one. Yeah. There's the weigh-in one. And there's when they just about touch gloves, you kind of know. So, so we're going to have to wait and see to see what happens with that mm. weigh-in exactly. face-off. And Lord Tristan uh, Merlihan will join us a bit later on in the program to give us all the, the prices for Origin and the like. And remember, SEN broadcast uh, all games all the time here from the World of Rugby League. It's your home of this year's State of Origin Series. Starting next week, we'll have three different calls for game one. The down-the-line one, the heavily biased Queensland one, yeah. and the heavily biased New South Wales one. The heavily, 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 heavily biased New South Wales one here in Sydney. Are you doing that one? Yeah. 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 I've all, got all three games, actually. I'm looking forward to all three games from the venues this year. Is it a relief to know that you don't have – you can just say what you think? Um, rather than be a bit political. The neutral call, obviously, yeah, yeah. I think it's Jimmy Smith and Scott Sattler. So you sit on the fence type of guys, you know, just got to go one each, one for Queensland, one for New South Wales. The, the, the Blues call will be totally in favour of whatever New South Wales have done, will do, should have done, and how poor Queensland were. I think the scope here, I think we could have five different calls. We've, so we've got the three. I think we could have a cliche call where you get as many cliches as you can in the call. And more importantly, and you can raise some good money for charity here, you have the swear jar call where basically you just can say anything you want in terms of whatever word you want to use to describe things. But every time you use said word, it's a dollar into the jar. And at the end, you raise some coin for charity. It'd be great if you did a state of origin lunch. And at lunchtime, you went out, got full of sauce, told <laughs> stories about origin all day. And then at 7 or 8.05 when it kicks off, you're on the air. And there's no rules. <laughs> so, so it's the the tank swear jar call. Gibbo, you keen to produce that or oh, even be a part of it? Oh, for sure. I'll get tanked and then I'll just see what happens after that. But, yeah, Scott yeah. Sattler has mentioned that a few times, that he wants to create like a no-holds-bar commentary. And I'm sure with the scope SEN has, there's some sort you of just get one day 18 plus. It'd be, I'd say it'd probably be in breach of some radio code. Well, not if it's broadcast over the air if it's on like a digital you've got to click in here maybe say yes to a few prompts put the e next to it like you're doing e next to it yeah. and then you know we'll call off screen yeah because we're obviously going to be at a pub or some quiet bar yeah exactly exactly some establishment uh last night quick one on this uh Penrith 30 dogs 18 once again dogs struggle in attack and struggle against the team uh that were missing a bevy 
of State of Origin stars. Yeah, that's right. Well, Penrith have got that production line. They, they still had some key players in key positions still, and Edwards stood up and was captain for them. He was unbelievable, the great fullback, just steers them around. Um, he's underrated. He's very underrated in that too. He, he's one of the most consistent players in the competition. He runs for 250 metres most matches, supports very well because he doesn't have to be the ball player at Penrith. No. And he's safe. probably the safest fullback under the high ball. Mm. Never, ever drops one. So, And he's the fittest player out there in the in the club. So it's Is good. he? Yeah. He's the fittest out there. So it sets the standard. That the best trainer. Yeah. Okay. These are the actions that lead to you to becoming a good trainer. Uh, Taylor May is so exciting to watch. You know, he's obviously had to wait his opportunity. Um, you know, been around rugby league with his family quite a long. He's played 12 matches, 12 appearances, and he scored 12 tries. He's going to be a try-scoring freak. In the mm. future, he is now, but he will continue to stay on that edge for Penrith, which gets a lot of quality ball and and, and puts positions. So, Alex Johnson, I think, will go past Ken Irvine eventually yes. and yep. break that record. And if this kid stays on the left edge for Penrith for the next ten years, for the next ten years, it could be interesting to see how he goes on that record as well. Question without notice about Penrith before we move on to the other scores: How, as a player, what percentage of unders would you take? If you're off contract at Penrith, to stay at Penrith at the moment. Yeah, I think they're in a five-year premiership window at least. I think the the thing also is growing up in Penrith. I think for a lot of other clubs, you can live in different areas and just go and travel and play. They've all grown up in Penrith, which is a fair bit away from everywhere else. They're yep. happy to stay out there. They, yep. they love the success of being out there. Their families are out there. Their teammates are out there. And they're in a good cycle. They all stay for probably – they probably all potentially get somewhere near what they should earn but they won't get the, the ridiculous price that another club might want to pay him. But a kick-out probably did get the go to Canterbury. Yeah. Got the got ridiculous money because Canterbury had to make a... So what are we talking here? A 20% rise? A 30% rise? Is that the uh, ballpark we're, we're talking for, about? For what kick-out effect he got? Yeah. Oh, I, I think that... That would turn your head to, to walk away from... I reckon he's at least got 20% on top of whatever he was, or 15% on top of what Penrith are paying him. And, and yeah. whether Penrith made a decision to say, hey, this is all we can give you because of what we've got coming through. Yeah, yeah. James Fisher-Harris has become the best front rower in the game. Yep. Uh, great leader. Um, again, over the last few years... You know, they'll lose Coruscant at the end of the year. Mm. And then, obviously, they replace it with another young kid we saw play a few weeks ago that has done an apprenticeship. Melbourne Storm have done it for so long where they just put people in their system and they copy the player above them. And yep. when that player above leaves, nothing changes. The next player just steps in. But they have the the, the anchors, if you like. Yep. of like, And the anchors at Penrith will be, you'd say, It'll Cleary. Be Yo, Luai, Yo, Cleary, Edwards, Fisher-Harris. Yep. They're there. Uh, They're Liam, the Martin, Liam Martin. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, say, Stephen Crichton, because I could imagine that he, when he's off contract next, will, be will get mega offers because yeah. he's athletic, he's athletic, quick. Could and, play fullback, could yeah. be a start. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the Dolphins' radar um, for that big scalp to get up there. If they don't get a Cam Munster, which probably looks like they're not going to get, then effectively you'd go for a Crichton and play him at fullback. Yeah, what that, about Munster, by the way? He said, I'd, like, I'd, three weeks ago the offer was unders. And all of a sudden he comes out and says, I don't want to play for anyone but Craig Bellamy as long as he's coaching. So I don't think there's a world that exists where he can have both of those things go his way. Uh, so he's got to make a choice. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure that they'll be they'll be pushing the price up a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more at Melbourne, obviously with a couple of bad performances. Well, he's got Braith. Got Braith. He, he can just get his own narrative out there on 360 well, every that's night. That's right. You can, you can actually start just controlling the out. Yeah, a little bit of that. And the other thing about Canterbury, let's go back. Canterbury is 16th in attack. It just hasn't worked. You can't do. You can't take a DNA from one club and bring it to another club and think it's going to work. They're constipated. Yeah. So they've the scored twelve points on average for this year and probably for the last two years. That's been their score in attack. Oh, I would have done. 
Matt Dufty being dropped was a, probably a good decision in some regards. Please explain to me from come from Canterbury or someone if you're a fan of the club, <laughs> why is Josh Adokar not playing fullback? I can't answer. And that. why is Matt Burton not playing halfback? Halfback or five eight? Halfback. Halfback. Matt Burton. Well, I, and I'm curious. I'd love to hear what Matt Burton thinks now about making that decision to leave Penrith and signing with Canterbury to go to a side, going out of this successful organisation and staying as a centre for Penrith. Yep. Probably wins a few grand finals, potentially plays with New South Wales as a centre. And now he's gone to Canterbury and has won two games this season. Has Didn't have a very successful last campaign. Yeah. And and really has played 18 months of playing centre. So has he forgot the craft of a halfback? Perhaps. Perhaps. I'd, I'd just give him the keys to the team and say, mate, you're number seven. You're touching the ball. You're kicking left foot corner. You own this football side. Yep. Fair enough. We'll talk a bit more footy later on, obviously, with those guests coming up. Um, AFL footy last night, just one uh, Geelong too good for the Western Bulldogs, beat him by 13 points. Bailey Smith. Now, if you don't know Bailey Smith, he's this uh, kid who's uh, a bit of a cult hero, a lot of a cult hero, actually. He's got the, the Pappenhausen yeah, haircut. He looks unbelievable, doesn't he? He's a smaller version of Pappenhausen. He's a little, he plays the Bulldogs. He plays like a little Bulldog as well. He just, just goes around and just annoys people. Last night, he headbutted. An opponent, Zach Tui. Now, this week, Buddy Franklin was accused of being accused of a cowardly act in the words of the AFL prosecutor when he went to the tribunal of punching Trent Conchin and he copped a one-week suspension. Uh, Noddy, you saw this, the the headbutt. Um, what do you reckon Bailey Smith cops? Yeah, that's right. And there's, there's a clear mark on the... Zach Tui's head. Zach's head where yeah. he's headbutted him. So you yeah. can't say... And it's clear as day that he... Throws his head back to to push it forward to do the headbutt and, and to get him. him. Yeah. So yeah, you'd like to think there's somewhere there is going to be multiple weeks. <laughs> Aren't they frustrated the, the AFL the jersey players? Grabbers, they, the... they, 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 they like grab the jersey and then elbow in the guts or like little push and show. It looks re- <coughs> if you don't know the game, it looks ridiculous. Like they're and frustrated. Melee. And melee. They'd love to just like they they'd love the, the the physical version of a swear jar call. Yeah, they'd just love to be able to just go to town. Well, for... you, can, you can do that now at State of Origin. They've just changed those rules last night. It's amazing how our game can come out and go. Oh, in the midst of uh, round thirteen, we're just going to say that the rules are different for State of Origin. So we'll fine you instead of suspending you for club football. So does this bring back the knuckle? Do you think? Well, I think it makes it. It brings back the push and shove. becomes can become a bit heated because you're not going to get suspended. You can you cop 10, 10 minutes, though, for a punch. Yes, still. that's right. Yes. That yes. doesn't. I, yeah. yeah. But I think it brings back – it opens up the toughness, tougherness yeah. to come back to origin with the niggle and the bits and pieces. I, I'm just happy that clubs – and I'm big on this, as Gibbo knows – that clubs aren't copying the backwash from what happens in an origin game. Like, the, all the talk before an origin game, if someone gets injured, is, oh, he won't be available for origin. And the club is like an afterthought. Yeah, They're right. the ones paying him. Fans of the clubs are the ones that miss out there. And it's the same out of the back of an Origin game that now we're not going to have the ridiculous situation of a cop and a one or two match suspension the for club, something the and the club pays. It's the, the other stupid. Thing, the other thing, though, the clubs have also got to be mindful of is if the player goes into camp and plays with better players, he becomes a better player. Yes. So there's a pos- there is the positives and the negatives. But that, that should be yeah. – the, the negative doesn't make sense. The positive, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah, definitely. The, anyway. Anyway, uh, Rugby Union, later on we'll chat to former Wallaby Tim Horan. It's the uh, Super Rugby Finals at the moment. Um, Gibbo, what do you reckon this weekend? Some uh, The Highlanders were the the worst Kiwi team. They scraped in the finals, but apart from that, it's the Kiwis, Kiwi teams are expected to dominate now in the postseason. Yeah, it looks like it. Hopefully the Waratahs, they got a tough road trip to Hamilton to play the Waikato Chiefs. But last night, 
the Reds sort of had a pretty tough year, the back end of the year. They had key injuries to Taniella Tupo, Tong and Thor, who's their front rower. He really is the pivotal piece of their forward pack. He got injured. James O'Connor, who's played for the Wallabies, seasoned veteran, he got injured too. So mm. they played the Crusaders last week. They played them again in week one of the finals. It was uh, I think they were trailing by one point at halftime. And then the Crusaders end up flexing their championship muscle and they put on 21 unanswered points. So unfortunately for the Reds, season over. Hopefully Timmy Horan later on can give us some words of wisdom and why the Waratahs and their tar toughness are going to get through. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, Timmy's a lot Did of wisdom. Did you say tar toughness? Tar toughness. Has the Tars had toughness in the last couple of years? Well, under tar. Darren Coleman this year, Noddy, they have shown some tar toughness. They beat the Crusaders, who are going for their 13th Super Rugby title. I think so, Nod. I think so. <laughs> NBA, game one of the finals yesterday. Uh, the Celtics from nowhere uh, just completely overran the Golden State Warriors. And tomorrow, uh, I think it's Monday morning our time actually, game two. Uh, it was 108 to 120. The Celtics 120. Uh, Golden State 108 in that one. French Open, Rafael Nadal through to a 14th French Open final where Noddy, he holds the rather handy record of 13-0 and in the ones that he's played so far. So, Do you reckon he just turns up and goes, I'm going to win? Or has he put... Like you, like most good athletes do, they've got to come and do preparation. But well, he plays a Norwegian in the final in Casper Rudd, who's there for the first time, uh, and he's done very well. He's a bloody good player to watch. Actually, he's he's exciting, and he he's not one of these big bohemers. He kind of uses the, the court well, but uh, he's going to need a bit of luck, old Casper. Well, why is he so good on the on the clay? His oh, movement, comfortability on the. I was, on at the lunch, surface. I was at lunch yesterday. Matthew Johns was there, and he was talking about Wally Masur and about you know what he got taught was about you know foot movement, not even hitting the ball. Yeah, and then try to bring it into some of the younger, flashier Australian players who weren't very interested at, in the Davis Cup to to be patient. Well, it's hard. It's a it's a different. It's a bit like, oh, what is it? Playing. Yeah, it's it, it's almost like ice skating as opposed to running in terms of what you... The movements, you mean? What, what the, the you physical need to movement. prepare to yeah. transition out of your yeah. movement on a clay court as opposed to grass court as opposed yeah. to a hard court. And Rafa's been brought up on the stuff. He's so comfortable on it. Last night he was up against it against Verev. Um, he was saying that the conditions weren't suiting him because it was so heavy. It was under the roof. They closed the roof. But he got it done against Verev uh, in the second set tie break or just about to play the second set tie break. Snapped his ankle, unfortunately. So, But uh, he, he wasn't going to win. Rafa was going to overrun him. So uh, after taking the first set in the cricket... Wickets galore in this one. Uh, 17 wickets fell on day one. And as it stands right now, New Zealand in the second dig, are batting a bit better, Gibbo. This will please you. Four for 263, leading by 227. Some nice commemorations of Shane Warne during this test match at Lords. Yeah, the uh, Sky Sports slash Fox Sports coverage has been outstanding. Mark Taylor's actually over there, I think, filling that similar sort of role. The Sky, yeah. But what they've been doing at lunch... Uh, Bold Shane. It's a documentary during the lunch time interval, and they played episode one yesterday, and it was awesome. Yeah. So really touching stuff, and the, and the Poms loved Shane Warne. But back to the Black Caps, they dug in because it looked like it was going to be all over in two days. Mm. So Brendan McCullum's reign as English coach, after about four hours on day one, it was going magnificent, and then the same old England 
sort of shown up. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see, and you can listen to that on SEN, SENZ. I think you text me saying, what about the batting in this text match, test match last night? And then after that, they didn't lose another wicket, I don't think. Well, so. Daryl Mitchell's played quite a bit of county cricket, so it's good to see him get a score. And Tommy Blundell, when Australia played New Zealand in that test series, he yeah. was the only bright light. He got 100 at the MCG. So hopefully these boys can put their name on the Lord's Honours board. And a quick uh, story about Sydney FC legend Milos Ninkovic. Not, I don't know if you saw this story overnight. He quit the club. Pretty sure he was out of contract, but he wanted, like, I think there was a deal for him to kind of stay and play his last year. He's 37, last year. Legend of the club, won seven trophies in his seven years at the club so far. Used to play Champions League football for Dynamo Kiev. He got on Instagram last night and quit the club. He said, I don't want to say why with respect to the club, but I'm quitting Sydney FC. I want to play next season, see at the new stadium, but I'll be playing for someone else, basically. Um, Sounds like a happy champ. Well, I want to know, I'm going to grade a bit later on in the show the best ways of breaking up, one to five. <laughs> so no press release, no big outcome. No. Nah, caught Sydney on the hop as well. Press release coming yeah. from Sydney FC this morning, I'm told. But let us know on the text line, what's the most brutal way you've been broken up with or you have broken up? 0457 736 736. 0457 736 736. And later on, I'll list them one to five, in my opinion of the best ways down to the worst ways of breaking up with someone. We're off to a quick break on the Mowers Club. Thanks to Toro Mowers. We'll get your text in a moment. Visit toromowersclub.com.au to win a Toro Mower and heaps more. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Yeah, welcome back to the show. Uh, brought to you by Toro Mowers. Win big at toromowersclub.com.au. As you heard on that uh, last ad in the ad break, that is... The competition that is still going on right now. A week's time, though, it closes. Win big at toromowersclub.com.au. You can win mower, blower, merch. It's all there. Go to that website, toromowersclub.com.au, to get involved in that competition. A couple of texts on the text line. Morning, mowers. Greg from Gundagai, regular listener here. Big shout-out to my boss, Todd Smart, from Smart Race in Canberra. He's taken all his staff to Melbourne for the Cambosis fight, and we're off to the races today at Flemington. Got a big tip for all the mowers out there that I'll send in later on. Todd Smart, what a boss. Taking them all to the fight. How good. We'll have that uh, a bit later on with the weigh-in and Warren Smith in there as well. Morning, gang. Just been out uh, walking the yard, says Jeremy, as we lie dormant. Yeah, it's that time of year. Everything lying dormant. Absolutely everything nod. Uh, might have to whippersnip the hedges just to keep the dream alive. I wonder if that's a metaphor, Jeremy. Here's the news. Visit torromowersclub.com.au to win a Toro Mower and heaps more. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Let's put a line through the biggest stories of the week with the Mowers Week in Review. Yeah, there it is. The Week in Review whippersnipper heralds in what we're going to discuss in the revision mirror from this week. Um, before Speaking of whippersnippers, just before we get on to the actual news, a text from the text line from Roosterman, a uh, long-time listener as well. Boys, worst breakup. Uh, we're talking breakups after Milos Ninkovic quit Sydney FC by Instagram. Last night, worst breakup, my brother got a vasectomy that his now ex-wife wanted him to get, and the week after, the op, she left him. That's brutal. That's brutal. It's a cruel world. <laughs> <laughs> origin. State of origin. Let's look forward, shall we? Hey, what do you make of the complexion, not so much the the decisions made for both teams, New South Wales and Queensland, with personnel, 
but what kind of style that tell that with the selections, what kind of style do you think both Brad Fittler and Billy Slater want to trot out on, on Wednesday night when it is going to be a bit slippery and wet out there at uh, Acor Stadium? Yeah, that's right. Well, they've picked some certainly big bodies or big frames, powerful carriers of the ball. Um, no Latrell Mitchell, no Tom Travojevic. They were unavailable for selection through injuries. Um, they were the two centres that played for New South Wales the last few years. The Josh had a car dropping, I suppose. Uh, Brad Fittler's had to justify the reason of that. They're just... Canterbury are going horrendous, but there's been other players that you pick and you know that they're going to do a job for you at State of Origin. It's sort of been that the mystery always is that they come into Origin with good players around and they play good again. So I, I think the the fuel that basically Daniel Tupo's taller than Josh Adokar is as simple as I could put it. So basically, it helps mm. you as a kick target or a defensive target against either one of the the, the Queenslanders. Yeah, amazing catches in the air. So mm. why would, if you know? If Queensland don't do a crossfield kick that lands on the try line for one of those wingers, especially whoever's up against um, Brian Tua, then they're insane. And mm. they haven't been coached properly because <laughs> you, you just mathematically win that competition every time. And you know Billy high, Slater, yeah. he would be planning that. Billy Slater, who knows and does back five videos better than anyone in the game and prepares them really well. So I'm looking forward to see how New South Wales play. I think the combination with 6, 7 and 13 are going to touch the ball pretty, pretty often. Mm. I think... N- Luai will play left edge. She plays left edge for Penrith. He rarely goes across the right-hand side of the field. Yo will be that middle connection to Luai, or he'll be the middle connection to Nathan Cleary on the right. And they'll just roll through their shapes and structures. Um, the where biggest, does, sorry, where does Cam Murray fit in all of that? Because he does a lot of that for South Sydney. Well, he won't be doing it this week. <laughs> Cam, where, where, does, where does Cam Murray and Tarek Sims do that this week? Well, they, both, they basically both just sit on their edge. And punch through holes. And punch through holes. And... <laughs> But that, and again, that's the ability, I think. And I think it's probably what Brad Fittler's brought as a coach for New South Wales. Pick the best players and put them in, the, in a position and tell yep. them what their job is. So Cam Murray it seems like he's a great bloke and a good clubman and would just love, happy to be playing State of Origin football. Not at lock, but at back row because it still means he's getting a chance to play State of Origin football. So he wouldn't go in there with any ego or any attitude and, and disgrunt against Freddie that says, well, I could do this, I'll show you, and mm. break out of the system that you've all got to abide by. The stat that I'm hearing is very important for State of Origin is the seconds it takes you to get kick transition and get back into shape. Mm-hmm. Because that obviously that then changes the defensive line. So that's not a stat that you see that's on not, television coverages and no, that. That's but right. is, it a, is that a stat that coaches lean on? I believe it's a stat that New South Wales time. They actually have a person that will watch how long it takes after the opposition's kicked the ball to you be in your formation that you need to be in, which gets him off... Gets you in better field position or gets yep. the defence to open up a little bit. Every metre or every couple of metres in State of Origin is probably more crucial than what club football is. Mm-hmm. So if Nathan Cleary can kick from over the halfway, then that ball is going to land within five metres of the try line. Yep. If he's kicking before the halfway, they're catching around the 20 metre line and coming hard at you at pace, and then they're putting the ball back on your try line. Starting so, the set on the 35. Starting the set. So it's about, mm. it's about that battle of us, them, us, them. There's minimal mm. structure. Well, not minimal structure. There's minimal set plays in State of Origin. Yep. It's just that play what's in front of you, put someone in a better position, win a play the ball, have your backside hanging out defensively and just keep turning up and turning up and turning up. And, you know, if you, when we have the ability to listen to Gus talk about Origin or an Origin moment, it's it's not the big cutout pass, which probably I learnt doesn't work, <laughs> which doesn't work in Origin. That, 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 but it's, hey, 2005 <laughs> didn't happen, Noddy. It was a bad year. But it's more about... Um, turning up and saving that play or, or making that extra movement 
in support. So you shouldn't have been there as a support runner, but you've turned up and got yourself in the picture to be a support runner, which then gets you the pass that then scores the try that creates that origin moment. So um, we're Queensland. I'm I'm looking forward to, I'm not really, I'm looking forward to a couple of things for Queensland. Cotter, Ruben Cotter just looks like a, uh, old school. So he's their thirteen. Old school. He's, he'll play front row. So he's not. That's yeah. minimal ball playing there. Yep. He's just. A, he's just a front row. Who's their yo? Or they're not going to play that way. Uh, I think Tino will play their yo role. Okay. Tino will be the ball playing role. Uh, Is he up to that at Harry, yo's level? Harry, you know what Queensland do probably different than New South Wales. New South Wales. Damien Cook is a great runner of the ball, mm. but they'll play a lot of footy off yo because that's what Penrith do. Yes. I think uh, Harry Grant will play a lot of footy for Queensland. So you'll get Queensland getting some momentum and him him having the ability to jump out of dummy half and try and link with the with the running forwards or the halves out the back. So he becomes an Isaiah Yo. It just happens from from the play the ball area. From the play the ball. Not okay. the first catcher. Um so yeah, so looking you know, got some great young kids. Coates and Cobo. Cobo's been unbelievable mm. in his athleticism and how well he's going for Brisbane. The Cowboys are going great. Um so they're all in form. I think if you go into origin if you go into I reckon the first three or four matches I played, I had no fear, mm. and because because my club football was going good, and then other times where you go into Origin where your club form is a bit inconsistent, you sort of you doubt yourself a little bit. But you've been picked more on the reputation yeah. you built for yourself. That's right. Yeah. So or that someone else is injured and they need to go to who they think they can trust or know that you can manage yeah. a game plan for. It. So I think it's really important. Club football form takes you into origin football, which takes you into having no fear. Uh-huh. And I, I'm really looking forward to what Billy Slater presents as a coach. Unbelievable career. The best fullback the game's ever had. Mm. Um, changed the role of a fullback. Everyone's now got to be a ball-playing fullback, not just a big body who catch. He was the hardest person to kick the ball and find grass. Because he's so quick. Because he was so quick and he knew where you were going to kick and had done all that video work and had his wingers in positions that it made it the target small to kick into? Well, on that, I spoke to Michael Hagan a week ago about what will Billy do as yeah. a coach. And he said he used to, Billy used to rock up into Queensland camp. And that that's the, the structure that they set up in Melbourne where they had Cam Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, to name three, would rock up on a Monday morning with the coaches, work out a game plan for yeah. the opposition they're playing this week. Billy would rock up into origin camp with almost like a dossier yeah. of the New South Wales kicking game where they like to kick, how we're gonna, how we should do our first two plays, who should be where on the kick returns, and and all of that, and he basically be the, he's like a playing assistant Play coach in that regard on the field, yeah, and and then they had the, they then had the ability to know when when you're under pressure how to just absorb pressure, yeah, not concede the try but then know how to get out of it. So, so I think he'll do that. I, I think if he goes, I think if he goes well. And hopefully not well that they win well, but I think if he has a good year or two years, I got no doubt he'll be the next Melbourne Storm coach mm. once Craig Bellamy decides to leave. Because they've always maintained that they will pick someone that knows the systems in Melbourne to replace Craig. Interesting. And there's probably no bigger brand in Melbourne than Billy Slater. Yeah. Or Cameron Smith. I don't think Cam wants to coach. Cam, Cam, Billy lives in Melbourne. Getting, but, but Billy still lives in Melbourne. Yep. Cameron's moved to the Gold Coast, relocated the family. He's loving life He's here loving at SEN. Life. Yeah, SEN. He's got his own show. He does a bit of stuff for TV. Yep. Um, just giggles his giggles, way through. Yeah. 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 He laughs a lot, doesn't he, Cameron? He's a happy guy. He's been with Craig Bellamy for 15 years. Released. <laughs> 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 okay, mate. No fun. No fun. Turn up the train and get serious. Be the best trainer. Be the best wrestler. Lead by example. 
Stop smiling. <laughs> uh, football, as in Socceroos. So next week, massive game against UAE. If you're not sure exactly where our World Cup qualification hopes sit, we've got to win two one-legged playoffs, firstly against UAE, and then if we win that, we play Peru. Not helped, Noddy, by the fact that Tom Rogic pulled out. Led to believe he was all sweet. He was no, all no, ready to no, go. I'm not I'm not having this little cuddling here. Get off the fence. Yeah. Are we going to make the World Cup? No, I don't think so. Okay. At this stage. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm totally wrong. And maybe that's me just going in, like, as I approach life, just have low expectations and be pleasantly surprised <laughs> when things go well, as opposed so, to the so other way around. Let's take your mindset and your crying in the corner every night yes. away, and let's talk positive here about the, the Socceroos then. Well, positively... Uh, He's got his best squad, yeah. Graham Arnold, of the last since last October. However, Tom Rogic not playing, he's our most creative off-the-cuff player. That doesn't help because what UAE are going to probably try and do is absorb a lot and smash us on the break. Is there a style of – do we have to change styles depending on what nations we go up against with your format or your, your formation? Yeah, yeah, a, a little bit. Like for UAE, for instance, yeah. as I said, that UAE, their last game in the group stage, they played against Korea, they had like – 23% of possession. So they just literally parked the bus yeah. and then got a goal on the break and that's what got them through to the playoff. Whereas it plays when we play a Peru, it's going to be a lot, the possession is going to be a lot more even. So yeah, you will need to adjust accordingly. But the players that he's now got at his disposal, Graham Arnold, for this match, Matt Leckie, Martin Boyle, Adam Taggart, Aaron Moy, Aidan Rustic, the young player who's over in Germany and he won a Europa League with Eintracht Frankfurt. He's got those first choice options now. And I think if you can't qualify with that, well, it's bad luck. It's not bad luck. It's just not good enough. You, well, that might be the case. So some, if you, we might be not good enough. Might be not good enough to go to that next step. So Ukraine, though, will they be potentially good enough to, to go to the, yes. the World Cup? Yeah, they, they were way too good for Scotland in a hostile environment on through the week. This is an incredible story. So they, need, they too need, like the Socceroos, they need to win two um, back-to-back playoffs. Away from home, obviously. They can't play. It's probably not advisable to be playing football in Kiev right now. So they've gone over to Scotland, Hamden Park, 60,000 screaming Scots, dusted them 3-1 pretty comfortably in the end. They play Wales this weekend. They win that. They're at the World Cup. Massive chance of, of getting through. And I think the whole world probably wants it. FIFA sure as hell want it because FIFA see themselves as a, you know, we'll solve the world world's problems type thing, um, which you can take with a grain of salt. But... Yeah, it's uh, it's an incredible story, and we'll find out um, in a couple of days whether or not they're going to make Qatar. How will Qatar host the World Cup? How successful will it be, venue-wise? Uh, venues are spectacular. Yeah. The stadiums are unbelievable. Uh, hotels, there's not the availability, so I don't think you're going to see as many international fans. The great things about the World Cup, lucky enough, fortunate um, to the day I die that I think about it, went to the last two World Cups, Yep, bruising. <laughs> but in Brazil and, and Russia in 2018, it was fantastic fan experience. It was unreal. Qatar, yeah, not so sure. You're probably going to be paying like $42 for a beer. It's hard to get. Those things, like you, you'd be able to go to two games in a day for the, day, the, the games that they have, four games in a day, because the, the venues are so close. Qatar's like the size of, almost like the size of Sydney essentially. So, yeah, oh, it's not going to be as good as a normal World Cup. Put it this way, the next one in uh, 2026 is co-hosted by Canada, USA, and Mexico. 
that will be an experience. I, I have a, a friend who is my best mate out of rugby league called Tony Martin. His son, he's trying to convince his son. His son, and he was born in England, Tone. Uh, yeah. Tana was born in England, sorry. And all the soccer academies wanted him to stay over there when Tone retired rather than move back to Australia mm. so they could keep him in the soccer program. Yeah. And Smart move. It was like, yeah, 20, 2025, is it? 2026. 2026, now. yeah. Where's he at at the moment? Oh, Queensland. Queensland? <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere near those other academies in Europe. <laughs> Fair enough. Long way. <laughs> Long way away. Uh, and we're off to a quick break on the Mowers Club. Thanks to Toro Mowers. We'll be back in a moment to wrap up the first hour and look ahead to the second with the weigh-in, the Cambosis weigh-in, not too far away, and we'll keep you up to date with that throughout the morning. At toromowersclub.com.au to win a Toro mower and heaps more. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Yeah, hit up that competition on toromowersclub.com.au for your chance to win a mower, a blower, and a heap of merch as well. Um, Noddy, I don't know if you saw this through the week. UFC have announced a, they're going to take a promotion now that during the pandemic they had to get out of the state. So they, they took. They, came up with Fight Island, which ended up being in the Middle East. But they're going to actually take a, uh, a show, and this will have a strong Aussie flavour to it, to Paris in uh, later in the year. I think September, October? Um, September. September. So Rob Whitaker will be it's ob- that's all on that he, card. It's the rom- romantic time of the year is in Paris as well. Yeah. yeah so we'll take a UFC fight to... Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, you like, oh, darling, do you want to go to Paris? Yes. When do you want to go? Oh, autumn. Leaves falling. Yes. Sell the, sell the story beautifully. Crisp evenings walking we along the river. We can go for walks on the yep. river. Go to the Louvre. Oh. Go it, to the it could be like the Carlton Dryad, you know, where they all walk into the room. Oh, Roger Jamison, is that you? So you say <laughs> what you've done here, Monday to Friday. All right, yeah, darling, we're going to go to Paris. I know you love yep. Paris. And on Saturday, I'm just going to quickly duck out. I've got a yep. bit of work to do. Oh, no. Boys, we're in Paris. We're going to watch... Yeah, yeah. Fight. Like, so, yeah, we're going to have this beautiful room, like beautiful cafes and yeah, the, all of that. And then on the Saturday night, let's go and watch seven fights where seven pairs are going to try and beat seven shades out of each other. But it's, it's That gonna screams be, romance to me. It'll be tough for the Aussies because... Robbie Whittaker is going to fight an Italian, Marvin Vittori, mm. and tie to Ivasa in the heavyweight, which is going to probably be the headline fight, mm. Cyril Garnet, who is a Frenchman. Mm. So the Aussies are going to be up against it anyway, but why not? Get over there. So Vittori's Italian? Vittori's Italian. Yeah, well, Italians and oh, French but I mean, don't get on. I think the Aussies... Well, what's closer to France, do you think? Italy well, or Australia? <laughs> Well, Gibbo, a little, di- a little dip into history yeah. would tell you that oh. uh, in France, the Australians are very well regarded for what went down in World War Two. But so, I'm sure, and World War geographically I. speaking, there's going to be a lot more Italian support than Australian. Oh, support. they might be come across the border, but the locals, the locals, yeah. will be right behind our guy. Well, you talking about a breakup or something later, aren't we, as well? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just watching you two little lovers go at each other. <laughs> I'm, just, been... I'm just wondering about, I'm going to put this number three breakups, you two walking out in a minute, storming he, out of the office. He gets serious with come me. Back. He sends texts at random times, and because I don't respond in 5.3 <laughs> seconds, seconds, he uh, it grates him. He thinks it's, I'll just sit at our home. Our relationship's like, over. <laughs> yeah. Go That's... to the corner, Adam. Anthony Maroon style, I'm out of here. <laughs> good luck, Adam. Noddy, you've been great the first hour, Adam. Good luck. See you, Maroon. Off to a break. Back in a moment with the second hour. I hope we give us still here. 
Visit toromowersclub.com.au to win a Toro mower and heaps more. Welcome to the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Nick Davis is not here. Once again, he couldn't be bothered. He's off coaching. Brett Kamali's here with me, Adam Peacock. Uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the second hour of the Mowers Club. Thanks to Toro Mowers. Mentioned at the top all the sporting scores. Uh, neglected, um, skipped over it, but shouldn't have skipped over it. Minji Lee, uh, Australian golfer. She is equal leader after two rounds of the US Women's Open after shooting a five-under par round in the second round. She's nine-under with uh, Mina Harrigay, um at the top of the leaderboard. So Minji um, and her brother, Min Woo, what a family that is, the two. Um, and we were obviously a winner on the European Tour as well and played in majors and uh, recently played in the, the US Masters. But uh, Minji Lee, yeah, equal leader after two rounds. Of where's, the, where's that tournament at? Uh, that tournament is at Southern Pines in North Carolina. Oh, very interesting. So they played, obviously, I was just wondering when you said US Open, wondering where they play the women's compared to the men. Yeah, they move it around to yeah. tough courses yeah. as well, but nine under in a US Open uh, suggests that the course isn't tough enough for a US Open. Usually it's uh, pluses. Although she's pretty, she's she's military-like. Yeah. Just in that zone, in that focus, workaholic, um, and obviously then freakish at a sport. Exactly, exactly. And the PGA Tour, uh, Cam Smith is actually... Leading, he's eight under par. He's leading the Memorial, um, which is a huge tournament. I think that's Jack Nicholas's tournament, yes. if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah, Cam leads by one in that event. So going well, the Aussie golfers. Uh, I got to play with Adam Scott a few years ago in the Pro-Am up at Royal Pines. Yeah, what'd Very you learn? He flushes it. <laughs> he's <laughs> he, flush, <laughs> he flushes the golf balls. It was so effortless was the swing. Yeah. And just flushes it though, and it, so you're you're sort of next to them on the fairways, but they're obviously teeing off on different um, different tee boxes. Mm. Um, yeah, hits the ball well. He missed the cut though, <laughs> so I don't know if I helped him or, or, or mocked him or not. Brilliant. Uh, Dan Hennessy is the, uh, the the. I'm just staying across this way in for the, the Cambosis fight, and we'll bring you up to date with what exactly happens. Part of us all probably hopes that it turns into absolute unbridled chaos. Right, oh, you want to you want to. Yeah, you want things being thrown and everything like that. So they're doing the undercard uh, weigh-ins. Well, uh, Cambosis, Haney, it'll be in about uh, 10, 15 minutes' time, depending if everyone behaves themselves on the uh, the undercard weigh-ins. But Warren Smith is all over that. He's hosting, and we'll talk to Waz a bit later in the show. Now, Noddy, I'm going to do the quiz here. Your quiz. My quiz? Yes. So how well does Noddy know Noddy? Where, well, I didn't get this sheet. So no, well, you didn't get this sheet. How come I didn't sheet? get the answers? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Questions for Noddy about Noddy. How well do you know yourself? It's a it's a question we all ask ourselves from time to time. Gibbo, what do you come up with when you say to yourself, Gibbo, how well do you know yourself? Well, usually that's on Sunday at about 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and, you know, you try not to get a reply because you don't want to know the answers to that, Adam. No. No, you don't. What about Sunday 4 p.m. after said 4 a.m.? Oh, yeah, not too bad. I'm yeah. Usually the uh, the kernel's been delivered, so I'm feeling a little bit better <laughs> and the footy's on, so not too bad. Okay, Noddy, how well do you know Noddy? How many NRL clubs did Brett Kamali play for? NRL clubs? Yes. Seven? Six? Six. Knights? Knights, Knights Mariners, Melbourne, Northern Eagles, Cronulla, Canterbury. Yeah, that'd be six. Yeah. Was there any others that you could have played for? I, I say to people, the worst business decision I've ever made. Well, probably there's probably three. It involves Brookvale Oval, doesn't it? Yeah. 
So I signed with the Northern Eagles, which I thought was for the right reason. I had the Newcastle Knights, the Hunter Maras, Melbourne Storm. So I, the three clubs I played for were, had success. So I sort of thought all clubs were yeah. the same. Yeah. Uh, had was getting married at the end of 2000, wanted to start a family, so I moved home from Melbourne to the Northern Eagles. Mm. That was 10 months of a four-year deal. Was that contract honoured for before Manly got the licence back and it got torn up? So that wasn't... And you were living on the Central Coast, were you? Yeah, bought a place at Avoca. Thought I'd be returned home. Daughter was born in August. Uh, and met by the end of September, contracts were torn up. So that was great. Um, the the people I met before that, though, before I made the decision to go to Northern England, I had lunch with Wayne Bennett. Mm. And he said, I need a halfback. I'll win the next five competitions. 2000, this was. Yeah. So I'd played, won a grand final in 99, New South Wales, middle of 2000, World Cup, the end of 2000. So probably the, the height of my career. Yeah. Um, and obviously didn't sign at Brisbane because it made no sense to go from Melbourne to Brisbane. Um, and the next gentleman I met, or the other two people I met, was James Packer in his office and Nick Politis. And the Roosters played in the next three grand finals. <laughs> so so you've <laughs> you turned down the greatest coach Certainly at that stage in the history of rugby league in Wayne Bennett. Yeah, who purely said, I want just need a halfback. You come up here, we'll win all these comps. And you've turned down the combination of the richest man in Australia at that time and what has now turned out to be arguably the most powerful man in rugby league, full stop, <laughs> James Packer and Nick Politis combo. Yeah. To go and live in Avoca? Yeah. <laughs> okay, hey, I can understand. <laughs> Okay. Home, home is where the yeah, heart is, and all that. I know. Someone, I wish, I, I wish someone had to just sat me down. I wish I knew what I knew now to who these people are. Yeah, and make a football decision purely on, yeah, long term decision more than where can I, where will I play my? You best could have Did no one get in your ear and say, "Noddy, you can live where you want to live once you're retired, and you can Not be really. a lot happier." <laughs> okay, yeah, no, fair enough. No. Anyway, whatever. Um, it happens. Yeah. Who'd you make? Who did Brett Kamali make his debut against, and where? Um, Newcastle. Hunter Stadium mm-hmm. versus Manly. Mm-hmm. Off the bench. Off the bench. And you lost. Yeah. Mark Mark Spud, Carroll, Paul Harrigan just terrorising each other. Was A. Johns a. playing Johns, that night? A. Johns. I think I played three games for the Newcastle Knights. A. Johns unavailable three games. Oh, okay. So Never the, played for Newcastle with him on the park? No. I played with Matthew lots yes. of times. Uh, Jason Martin might have been the halfback at one stage. Oh, wow. um, okay. From a North Sydney player Going who was back. there for a little while. Yeah, Musician uh, as well, no, wasn't he? Musician. Sung, he, he released a song. I think 94, 94, 95 that would have been. 95. Just out of school. Just out of school. Which team did you play the most finals matches against? Final matches against Brisbane. No. Sorry, I should have waited for that. Dragons? Melbourne. You played eight finals oh, games against Melbourne. Did I? Yeah. Happy memories, obviously. Who was your first test try against? Uh, my first test try. It's an easy question because it's not exactly what 200 countries you're playing against. Well, it's either New Zealand or England, potentially. Well, pick one. New Zealand. <laughs> you me, what, what? See, that was a bit like your Northern Eagles decision. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you had, a, had one only a couple to choose from, and well, you chose the wrong one. Well, I played ninety nine tri series. I was thinking, did I score then? That was against. They were all against New Zealand, and then obviously uh, Great Britain. Biggest win you've been involved with? Throwing this in just to make you feel good about yourself. MCG. Two thousand and 
No, 2000. Unless Cronulla played Manly that day at the MCG, that's a... 64-point 60, victory? Yes. 68-6. Yeah. 68-6. They kicked the goal. <laughs> Great conversion. Scored next to the post. <laughs> you scored three tries that day. How can you forget that day? What day? I don't know. It's Cronulla v Manly, 68-6. Noddy scored three tries. I just got on the sheet here from Gibbo. So, 05. 05. Yeah, both in the – well, the win and loss both happened at the same year. Okay, the biggest loss. 05. Yeah. <laughs> Probably to Newcastle. No. Playing for the Sharkies against North Queensland. But they flogged us. 56-14. That's wouldn't, I wouldn't have played, Gibbo. I reckon that's wrong. <laughs> well, uh, just, just a crap stat, crap stat for you. In your biggest win, Nigel Vanganar scored three tries. So you and he both got hat-tricks. And then in your biggest loss, he actually scored two of those tries. So he was a good omen for you guys. And what team did you enjoy scoring tries against the most? The most tries you scored against one team? Newcastle? Yes. How was it when you said to the Knights, see you later, I'm going. Oh, by the way, I'm playing for the Hunter Mariners, so I'm staying in Newcastle. Well, that's why I signed with the Hunter Mariners. So I didn't want, I didn't want to leave Newcastle. Yeah. A- Andrew and Matthew were obviously playing first grade at the Newcastle Bit like Knights. the Cleary Luai situation yeah. of all those boys out of Penrith like, at Penrith at the moment. Uh, these guys are here and they're pretty good, so we might go to that little, mm. little opportunity across the road there, which plays out of the old greyhound track. At, um... It was very emotional time in rugby league, especially in a town like Newcastle where the Hunter Mariners just tried to blow in. And For some of the players, it would have been brutal. Like For the for a couple of the guys, like a Robbie McCormack, a Paul Marquette, a Brad Godden, who were inaugural Knights, yeah. to have been in the competition for seven years, born and raised probably out in that area, and all they wanted to do was play for the Newcastle Knights, then sign with the Hunter Mariners. Um, Did you cop it at all? Not really. Getting I was around a kid. town? No, nah, I was a kid. We, there was... They won the competition. We had great success in 97. We were in England mm-hmm. at the World Club Challenge semi-final when the Newcastle Knights actually won the oh, yeah. ARL grand final. So not really. I, I think some of the senior players maybe got it. Um, I think obviously administration-wise, obviously it was a big – Aussies for ARL was the big push around that time. Chief mm. Chief took all the first graders on a bus and drove them to Sydney and the Knights end up signing with the ARL, not the not the big S mm. banner. Um, were you, you I, on that I, bus? Didn't get an invite? No. I was a kid. I'd just finished school yeah. in 94, and effectively I, I was playing under 21s, a bit of reserve grade. Mm. So I was sort of the, the small-ended fish. I just I, – I think the competition, what they tried to do in 95, I think we've probably got now. We've got 17 teams mm. spread out all across good locations, demographics. We'll probably go 18 teams, eventually an extra team in New Zealand, mm. and that makes it quality of football – a game in all major stadiums throughout the, about throughout our code with it, with suburban grounds being built first class, hopefully. Yeah. Hmm. How'd I go on my quiz? Not great. Not great. But not bad. Hey, you've, you're the father of four? Yeah, I don't remember that either. Yeah, well, four children. Four children. Your brain's mush by this stage. I, I generally know... I generally know how you sort of go in most games, or you yeah. remember that bit. Um, what field, you know, field you liked playing on, people you had competitions again, you know. Origin uh, games. Origin games, the, the great and the bad. <laughs> Grand, uh, well, uh, playing for Australia, whether it's World Cups. I said, I spoke yesterday about, got to play, obviously. The, 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 the career of a rugby league person can be so high of excitement, adrenaline, Highest of all highs. So winning a grand final for me was the pinnacle of my career. Mm. Flying back to Melbourne on our own plane, sitting in the in the 
cockpit with the captain mm. as as the player of the match from the grand final. World club at Manchester in Old Trafford. Yeah. Full house. Yeah. Played the last game at Wembley. Played mm. at the last game that was played at the old Wigan Stadium against Wigan in a quarter final. Travelled, you know, travelled the world in some regards from the game, but also then it's taken you to the lowest of lows. Yeah. And the most resilience I've got. So my life's been created from everything that league has done for me mm. in in that in the life education of the lessons I've learnt from football, but also the hard work and the back yourself and, you know, nothing nothing will come easy. And at some stage there'll be a setback again somewhere and you'll be sad and unhappy and yeah. you just got to, I think people forget as well with you. Didn't you, you playing halfback forced Andrew Johns to play hooker? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that 2000 State of Origin series, a clean sweep. It was my first State of Origin series. I, I football was flying. Freddie was my 5'8". Jeff Tuvey was my dummy half. Tim Brasher was my fullback. And Andrew Johns was off the bench. <laughs> and that was the same thing that happened in the World Cup in 2000. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. That is, I had the height of my career, Joey playing on the bench. I'm mm. playing halfback when I met those powerful people or successful organizations mm. and, and then you go and went to Evoca. I went to Evoca. <laughs> I, I, I sometimes th- I've blessed to have played in one grand final and one, one. I'll then look at that and go, I probably could have played in five. Maybe, or, you know, I've had a better chance of playing in yeah. five. If I'd gone to either the Roosters or the Broncos in that era when they were, they were craving a one player only. Well, It'll be an interesting lesson when you talk to players like at Penrith at the moment. Yep. I'm sure they're listening this morning. They've turned off the one four for yep. for a little bit, and they're listening to SEN this morning. But it'd be interesting to get across to them about if they've got a decision to make, like you had in yeah, 2000. What do you do? Because it it almost feels like you could I don't know take us into that spot where is it? Oh no, I don't want to make the wrong decision or. Oh, whatever happens, I'm going to make the right decision because I've got so much on in front of me. And I reckon all those people at Penrith, those young kids have come through, they've all had that success. So they could fall into the same error that I did where I just thought every club was successful. Every club that you go and play for, they're all the same. They're all built the same. You sort of think, yeah, but mm. like, I say to people, like, it's like going into a business. There's great businesses and bad businesses in the same market. Would you have taken unders at the Roosters and Broncos as to what you did at the Northern Eagles? Like Northern Eagles' best financial offer, was it? Or No, actually, it was the worst financial offer. I just thought I did it for the right reason. Right. That probably doubles down on the uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> regret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it happens. Can we get a time zone? Here. Can I go back? <laughs> You're still here. You're happy. Oh, yeah. You're talking on the Mowers Club on a yeah, Saturday morning. Yeah. That was uh, Life I with Noddy. Really interesting story. Could have had the ride on by now. If <laughs> <I went> there. <laughs> there you got one of those second-hand electric ones. <laughs> back in a moment. Visit torromowersclub.com.au to win a Toro Mower and heaps more. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. It's time for... Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, no. Nah. No, yeah, no, nah, yeah, no. Nah. Here we go. So get a, this is you just had your psychology session. Get a few things oh. off your chest before the break. <laughs> I feel heaps better. <laughs> That's where I should go. Yeah, nah. Here we go. Look, <laughs> the fact you might give a yeah, nah next time. Give. I ask you to come in here, <laughs> or we could just set up a couch for you and you could just lay back lay and, back and tell us all your get a few things off your chest. But no, in all seriousness, this is uh, in in all lack of seriousness, I should say, this is yeah, nah. So we um, basically come up with something or a few things that we've seen through the week that think. You know what? Yeah, that's no good. That's no good at all. I'll start just to set it, set it for you. Nod. 
usually when I come in here on a Saturday morning, I annoy the hell out of Gibbo by saying hi for 10 minutes and then going across the road to get my coffee and bacon egg roll. Across the road from SEN Towers here. Go across this morning to the usual haunt. And the woman in front of me ordered 16 coffees. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. That's illegal. Well, it's not illegal, but it's one of those things that should be illegal. What do you reckon the limit should be of a coffee order? Four? Well, you can six. You can carry six on a tray, can't you? Okay, six. F- four in the, and then two floating in the middle. Sixteen? Six. No, six. No, but sixteen. Your thoughts on that? A little excessive? Well, she's obviously rattled your cage. <laughs> Because you didn't get your bacon egg roll and your coffee. <laughs> I was hanging for it as well. Empty stomach. Yes, coffee time. Ten minutes before coming into the Mowers Club off the long run. Ah, right. That little barista is going to be a bit busy for the next ten minutes. I might have to uh, dice it up somewhere else. Gibbo, the, the other thing I think when Nick – not Nick. Nick's not here. No. Adam's missing. Did you get asked, would you like a coffee? I always ask. Yeah. So I jump in there. Oh. No, he does. He does always ask. But he doesn't ask if I'd like a bacon and egg roll, Noddy. Oh, so he's half polite but not comfortable. Well, yeah, no, you know one of those half ones where you say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll help you with the washing, but you hope no one says, yeah, come and help me. Yeah. but um, I'll give you a lift to the bus stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. So, but so no, you're going is... to get a bacon and egg roll and a coffee and all you ask is, would you want a coffee giver? Because he knows the answer Every is no. time I walk out, because he's prepping here, Gibbo, he's putting the show together as he's been at the... At the coal face since 5.30 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I walk out of the studio and the last thing I say is, Gibbo, you want anything? And it's always a no thanks. Yeah, now you're just saying that to be polite. Yeah. He knows that you don't, you're you not generally asking in a way. Of, you're, not, you're not asking him as if you generally want him to say yes. Yeah, exactly copies. right, mate. Exactly right. Not, you should be on more often, actually. I think, I think we could get something going here. That's uh, something's going on at the Devon Haney and uh, George Cambosis weigh-in at the moment. The towel's out, actually. So someone's having to strip off to get down to the weight, I think. Drama at the weigh-in. We'll be all across Here we go. We'll... The towel's, towel's blocking towel's the view for the camera. So George is going to have to nude up. He's got to drop the... Um... To drop down. He might have to duck off stage and... Uh... Oh, this is not a good sign. He's uh, not made so what, weight. So what would, what would Undies weigh? So obviously this oh. is a couple of hundred grand. Are we talking... I reckon 50 grams 50 if you're grams lucky. or something? Depends if you've slept in them. Can you Bit of natural body sweat. Oh, what? So they weigh more if you've slept in them. So that means I think so. If, a couple so, of grams. If you've had accidents in them. Well, a human being loses up to 800 grams while sleeping. They do. You lose it. The moisture well, departs well, your being. He might need to go to sleep on the, on the scales then. To get under the weight. Weigh, uh, weigh yourself first thing in the morning, then weigh yourself at night, and I guarantee you you're much heavier at night. And that's because I eat all the food you've eaten. But overnight when you sleep, you lose weight. True story. The weigh-in, swear to God. The weigh-in is still there's still contentious here because he's obviously back on the scales. Yep. Mm. Ooh. What, happens, what happens here if he weighs over? Uh, I think there's provisions for him to go and hop in a sauna for an hour. I think. I don't know if there's a sauna at Marvel. So, <laughs> I don't know if he gets in some bin bags and goes for a run. Is he over? Is he over? We'll wait and see with that. Anyway, uh, have, you got a, have you got one that you want oh, to have get one? Yes, yes. Yeah, well, obviously, um, really, really important that you try and look for 
high sporting events, high premium outcomes, greatest game. You've got 12 teams in a super rugby competition. So mm-hmm. how many do you think should expect to make the semifinals? Six or less? See, it's got to be half. No, we let, we'll let eight in. Eight. Yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> You'd be disappointing if you're one of the four teams that can't make the finals. <laughs> Western Force, <laughs> Melbourne Rebels. And then two new teams, you can understand they're missing out there in their um, early stages. But, yeah, wow. Anyway, Kim Kardashian. Don't know if you caught this through the week, Nod. She did an interview with the New York Times. And I quote, I'm not adding any words here to Kim's thoughts. This is a direct quote. I'll try anything. If you told me that I literally had to eat poop every single day and I would look younger, I might. I just might. Yeah, nah. Nah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. That was a delayed, yeah, nah. I think Gibbo was... What makes someone say that? Well, I wonder if Gibbo was contemplating that he might try and start doing that for the next seven days and see if you notice next week. What's that, sorry? Eat. eat, oh, eat my own, yeah. Eat your own for a week, and then, see, and then see if yeah, for sure. Nick and Adam next week go. Jeez, oh, Kiba, you're looking good today. Yeah, I'll try anything um, a couple times, I reckon. And yeah, why not? But <sighs> it depends what, what sort of state am I in before I do this? I, I, because... d- I d- don't even want to know. <laughs> Jeez, we've really gone down the gutter here, <laughs> boys. We're, we're, it's an we're extraordinary statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she's quite an extraordinary person herself and she's always making outlandish statements so how far can you trust it yeah give her yeah one of those yeah nah this is not a yeah nah but it's a it's a more happy story it's an extraordinary story it dropped overnight uh minneapolis golf club a 13 year old preston preston miller hole in one on the fourth seven iron from 121 yards pretty good for a 13 year old he's pumped obviously early in his round so he's got the ball and then he goes on to play with said ball. He loses the ball mid-round. Hits it into the bunda. Doesn't, doesn't rescue it. Amazingly, same day, same golf club, a member playing in a group behind, a few groups behind, Ricardo Fernandez found the ball that Preston lost, that he had the hole-in-one on, but he lost the ball on the seventh hole. Found it. And then at the 16th on a par three, guess what Ricardo did with the ball? Hole in one? Hole in one. You're going to have to cut it in half. <laughs> cut it in half, put it on your trophy cabinet, and because you're going to have to share that. Same ball. <laughs> Two holes in one in one round. Have you had a hole in one? No. No, I haven't either. No, it's frustrating. Anyway. Disappointing. Disappointing. Anyway. Um, we're trying to get to the bottom of exactly what's happened at the Cambosis Haney uh, weigh-in. We will do that as we hit the news break. That was the NR for this week. We've got plenty of guests on the way on the Mowers Club. Thanks to Toro. Timmy Oren will join us shortly. Maybe he can give us the reasoning behind eight going into, 12 going into eight for the Super Rugby Finals. But we are looking forward to the Super Rugby Finals happening this afternoon. Danny Badiris will join us a bit later on. And we'll get your thoughts as well. Not Just put this in your brain. Ray Warren retiring through the week. What was your greatest moment called by Rabs? We'll be back in a moment. You can give us that and plenty more on the way on the Mowers Club.
Visit torromowersclub.com.au to win a Toro mower and heaps more. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Uh, welcome back to the Mowers Club. Text on the text line from John. I didn't know I was listening to Kiss FM with a grubby commentary. <laughs> Great to have you company, John. Sorry about that. It was just, you know, it was just a walk-up start for, yeah, now nah, what Kim wants to do to keep herself looking young. Uh, George, and also from John, uh, another John, George isn't on weight, boys. Now, George Cambosis has weighed in, not here, ahead of tomorrow's fight with Devin Haney, 163 grams heavy. So he has... Two hours to make weight. Otherwise, I dare say that the fight goes ahead, but he relinquishes his belts if Haney wins. That's might might be different in boxing. It's certainly the case in UFC. But got a little heated. Warren Smith was in the middle there. I didn't see was jumping in to try and break things up <laughs> no. between the Camposas and Haney. Uh, and it's not also, not only the boxers getting a bit heated. It was all the entourage and support staff and yeah everything else that goes with it. It's just a circus, isn't it? It's an entertainment circus. Um, and obviously, yeah, as you said, he's got two hours to make the weight and to jump in the sauna, go for a run, don't eat or drink anything. Um, yeah. And was the MC up there? I think he's thankful that George broke away and decided to go with the big flex in front of the crowd instead of continuing the war of words, which could have escalated, but didn't, fortunately. So he's got two hours to lose 163 grams. It's like Chicken Little, isn't it? What do you mean? Well, the joke of Chicken Little is he put on two grams. Uh, <laughs> Over summer, and he got a lot, lot more powerful. Yeah, well, I think he needs – George needs a sauna. I think he's quickly calling it – knowing the Marble Stadium precinct. There's no spa there or no I, sauna? I can't imagine that there's a sauna on site, so he's going to need to go either go for a run with bin bags on yeah. or – Yeah. Anyway. Be uh, careful you don't lose too much energy, though, as well, with the big fight coming up. Exactly. So Noddy, a bit later on, is going to give us our best moment that uh, he can remember called by Rabs. It might not involve Noddy, I'm not sure, but Matt on the text line says, Peaks, when Noddy gives us his personal moment called by Rabs, is that bruising? I don't reckon it is. I think it's just a coincidence. But I've, I've got the feeling that you might go with something else. Although you could go something that you did on the field called by Rabs. Yeah, why not? I 307 games, 10 origins, 22... Test matches, I'll try and find some moments in them for you, Adam. O- 05 Origin might come up. He called that too. Did he? Yeah. Oh, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't. We won't go down that. Well, this is, the greatest, enough, this enough, is the greatest morning. moment you, that you can remember with Rabs. Oh, it's golden point. It's like, oh, no, it's hit Bowen on the chest. Come on, he's trying to do this out. <laughs> Tim Horan's joining us right now to talk a bit of Super Rugby. And uh, you can catch it all, of course, across the Nyman Network and Stan Sport. This weekend, uh, Timmy, one of the great Wallabies of all time. Morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, Adam. Not a year. Well, mate. Um, yes, yeah, big weekend for rugby, isn't it? The quarterfinals. It's got exciting. Exactly. Hey, just before we move on to all of that, like obviously some of your great moments were called by the great Gordon Bray. And in reference to Rabs in rugby league, having a great caller call your great moments on the field, do they make them better as an ex-player? Oh, yeah, sometimes they do. Yeah, it's, um, I remember actually a game we played um, over in Ireland when it was a quarter final in 1991. We won that World Cup. It was quarter final at Lansdowne Road in Dublin. Um, Ireland were ahead with a minute to go, and Michael Liner scored in the corner, and the whole crowd went deathly silent. And you could actually hear Gordon Bray in the grandstand commentating because he was about the only Aussie there at the moment. So, <laughs> um, but some great moments, and uh, yeah, I think they do. They make uh, Noddy probably appreciate it as well that. 
you know, what Rabs has done over, you know, I remember watching Anco Cup, you know, Panasonic Cup days when I first sort of um, heard him um, call, you know, Cronulla and Brisbane, those sort of matches were fantastic. Timmy, mm. there was no opportunity. And if you're watching those games on a Wednesday night when you're a, a little spring chicken on the way up, when, when, when did we go to rugby? Was there ever a crossover in rugby league where you thought you could have maybe had a crack at it? Uh, maybe a couple of times. Not, yeah, I think um, through that Super League era, but also uh, 1992, 93, after we, you know, we, I was only still only young, 22 years of age, and came out of the, you know winning a World Cup and a couple of letters. I thought, well, you know, rugby was amateur, and um, you know what, what do you do going forward? I had a couple of chats to Alan Jones in the Belmain days, um, North Sydney, those sort of sides, and then probably had a decent you know opportunity to go to Wigan uh, and play over there in the UK, but. Um, as we got closer and closer to that 1995 Rugby World Cup, there was all this noise about rugby potentially turning um, professional. So, yeah, hung around for that and, and enjoyed it. Yeah, that's right. I remember playing against Jason Robinson. I think the last game he played before he left the league and was signed with the British Lions. So, certainly a freak of a player. Tell me about this Super Rugby semi-finals. There's 12 teams in the competition. Eight can make the finals. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. I think it's uh, it'll, it'll be looked at next year. Um, someone was saying the other day, maybe maybe ten should make the the, the quarterfinals. But yeah, uh, yeah. I think it, I actually quite like it because it makes the competition. You get three weeks of finals. I actually think it probably should be four weeks of final. And the if you finish one or two in the competition, which was the Auckland Blues and the Canterbury Crusaders. Um, you get the weekend off, and then the next six teams play. I think that that's probably a bit fairer. But yeah, last night the Crusaders they uh, beat the Queensland Reds. So the next game, of course, the Waratahs are going to play against the Chiefs uh, in New Zealand this afternoon. So, and they've been fantastic this year. That the Waratahs compared to last year, they didn't win a game. Were hardly getting any crowds to their matches, and Leichhardt over the last couple of weekends have been full. On that. Darren Coleman, so we've spoken about it here on a Saturday morning, Tim, about getting a guy who knows the scene in the backyard of the mob he's now coaching at super rugby level. So Darren Coleman knows the shoot shield um, situation really, really well. Are you, where does your level of surprise lie with what he's been able to form the Waratahs into this season? Obviously not the finished product and that they want to be a lot better in the years ahead but it was looking desperately, desperately bad in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think, Adam, um, I watched them in their three trial games earlier this year, and I thought, gee, the way is actually just the style of play they were playing. They were attacking from 70 metres out, throwing the ball wide, but also their forwards were dynamic, and I thought, gee, he's really changed up the style of play of what they did in the last couple of years. And I think he had to because he... I mean, this side's been around together for the last two, some of them three years. Um, so they had to perform this year, and I think they just got a lot of belief. They got these young young players now who were 20, 21 a couple of years ago. Now they're 24, 25, a bit more experienced. Michael Hooper, of course, came back into the team. So uh, he's really found this belief and this trust amongst these players, and, and they're playing a style. They're not kicking a lot of ball away, and they're cherishing that, and I think they've, they've shown that against a couple of New Zealand teams. You're talking about the Tars and how they're going and, and, and moving forward, obviously some exciting times. is couple of bolters. Let's give us some things to look forward to in the future for the Wallabies. Any bolters you think would be coming into that Australian squad or someone you've seen this year in the Super Rugby go, you know what, in maybe a little bit of time, he could be potentially that exciting Wallaby player? Yeah, I think, Noddy, we're looking towards, you know, Rugby World Cup at about sort of 15, 16 months' time in France, and you've got to try and pick your team. I reckon 
that 18 months out from the World Cup so they got time to mould and, and be part of a, a quite a unique culture with Dave Rennie, the, the Wallaby coach. But, um, but the hooker from New South Wales, Dave, Dave Parecki, has been in the side for a couple of years. I reckon he's probably going to get first chance or second chance at the Wallaby Gold number two jersey. He's been in great form. Um, Harry Johnson-Holmes, who's coming back, uh, from a knee injury. Um, that front row, Angus Bell, those three players of the Waratahs have been fantastic. And um, we've got a lot of depth there at the moment in the front row position. Um, and also, you look at um, Suliasi Vunavalu, Noddy, of course, you'd know him. And he's been out for a long time playing with the Queensland Reds. I think he'll be in the Wallaby squad. Um, he's got a bit to go yet to get to where we want him to be if he's going to be a winger for rugby, you know, the World Cup. Yeah, you talk, I'd be interested to know, Tim, you know, if you talk about if you had to build a dream squad for the World Cup, say we got it in 18 months' time, we're going to have a potential to win it. What are the key positions, basically, for rugby that you've got to have that can allow you to become that elitist? Yeah, I think you, well, it's sort of like a bit like um, in, in rugby league, you talk about the spine. For us in rugby, it's your two, your eight's really important. Your two and your eight, so your, your number eight. But also your fly half, um, James O'Connor, uh, Noel Olisiu, those two players. Important. At the moment, probably the only position we don't have a lot of depth in is at fullback at 15. So um, Tom Banks has been playing some good footy for for the Brumbies, and um, but we're just yet to find who's going to be that 15 going into a World Cup. And that's, you know, obviously when we lost Israel Folau a few years ago, that was a big hole on the field um, for the Wallabies, and we're yet to sort of really find that person yet. Dare say that he won't be asked back anytime soon. No. <laughs> we won't go there, shall we, Tim? No, we won't go down that particular uh, avenue. With the World Cup, mate, um, the, with the, the hosting rights locked in, in a general sense, and obviously your, your good mate Phil Kearns is uh, entrenched in the, the organisation of everything there, how does that, like you, you look at it on Facebook and you go, oh, great, great for the game, great exposure, financially everything. How does it exactly play out, though, to make sure it benefits the game like you want it to? Yeah, I, I think there's a few key points there, Adam. And, what, and one is we, we can't wait until the 2027 Rugby World Cup to happen. You've actually got to build the competition now. And of course, the, the Women's Rugby World Cup will host that in 29 as well. And I think what we've got to do is we've got to build a Wallaby team that wins test matches and wins against the All Blacks um, consistently. Uh, until we do that, people, a lot of people talking about oh, yes, we've got to have funds and funds from the World Cup. It's all got to go to grassroots rugby. Well, grassroots rugby is reasonably solid at the moment and it will grow if the Wallabies start winning a lot more test matches because kids, they'll run around in a gold jersey and you'll see people in gold scarves, and, but consistently a Wallaby winning team. But also, post the World Cup, you know, if, if you bank something like 100 mil, you've got to be able to put some of that, most of that into a future fund for, you know, the future part of the game and then some, and the rest goes to you know junior rugby country rugby women's rugby is one of the fastest growing sports in the world so um, but I think we've got to build a, a a wallaby team that's consistently winning does that mean to go and get a couple of league players that would have normally played rugby union post school um, maybe um, there's a lot of talent around but we've got to make sure that we can hold most of them yeah it feels to me outside looking in Tim that the football Soccer, in a sense, has the same problem in Australia. The, the levels are disconnected. Now, obviously, there's a close relationship between Super Rugby franchises, I hate that word, clubs, and the national team. But the, the disconnection, it feels like, and hopefully it's getting better, is between club rugby and also Super Rugby. It, is that correct, or am I off the mark there? It, 
Yeah, no, it's, it's getting better, Adam. It, w- it was like that a while ago. It's getting much better because <clears throat> if you have a you have a coaching structure or coaches, like whether it's a Brad Thorne at the Queensland Reds or Darren Coleman at the Waratahs, they're sending players back to play club footy. So if you're not part of the 22-man squad or 23-man squad, you're going back to play club footy. So um, and I think that's really important for especially the younger players in those squads to play club footy and then... And then post that, you're getting the club's supporters coming to watch the Waratahs or watch the Reds play. So mm. that connection's a lot better the last couple of years. Yeah, because in the past, what, they'd just get quarantined, would they? If you're in the 30-man squad or whatever it was for Super Rugby, you'd miss out in a game, you miss out yeah. in a game. Yeah, club, cl- yeah, clubs wouldn't see, you know, Sydney clubs in the Shoot Shield or in, in Brisbane, you wouldn't see a player till probably the semi-final of a club, club game. But That's... they'd be quarantined, they're scared of injuries, but... Like you need your front rowers, you need to be packing a thousand scrums a year, and the only way you can do that is club footy. And, and that brings the connection then, but Adam, if you said that, and to you, Tim, as well, if you if you send players back to play park footy, then obviously that's the connection between the elitists and the and the park football. I think you guys, obviously, for for league and union in New South Wales, when the new Allianz Stadium opens up, the experience to attract a player or a fan as a Waratah supporter could be exciting for them as well. I think it will, Noddy. I think um, the big challenge, and I think they've already made their decision, but the big challenge for New South Wales Waratahs is that, you know, at Leichhardt Oval, and Noddy, you would have played there a few times, when you have a, a full house there of 12,000 people, it's it's a great atmosphere. And there was kids and club, all the clubs come out and watch. And then you're going to take, you're obviously going to go back to the Sydney Football Stadium. Uh, I dare say that the Waratahs are already contracted there. Um, mm. That would have been in place before they started building it. Um, so you're going to have all your home games there. So I'm not sure what that's going to sit. 40, 45,000, yeah. 50,000, whatever the number is. 46. You know, a big crowd for the Waratahs will be 25 to 30,000. You know, mm. so that's what the challenge is. How do you try and attract those sort of people to, to that new ground next year? All these games on Stan Sport this afternoon, of course, Tim. Uh, Chiefs, uh, Chiefs, Tars followed by Blues Highlanders, Brumbies, Hurricanes. Upsets would be the away teams to get a victory. Can you see any of those going away from the home sides? Well, yeah, I think the Waratahs are a good chance this afternoon over in New Zealand. They've shown that they can win um, over in New Zealand, which they did a couple of weeks ago. So, And then the Brumbies, um, it'll be tough for the Brumbies, but at least they've got a home game in Canberra. It's going to be freezing cold and... Uh, I think the way that Dan McKellar, the coach of the Brumbies, is the best coach in Australia at the moment, has been for the last three or four years, and they've got a side to to take them through to the semi-final next weekend. Good news. Uh, Tim Horan, thanks for your time this morning, mate. Enjoy the rugby across the afternoon. Good stuff. Thanks, boys. Tim Horan, well, it'll be great joining us on the Mowers Club from Stan Sport. We're off to a quick break. Uh, go across, do yourself a favour, maybe some tips to fill in your spare time with what we've been watching or listening to this week on the Mowers Club. Visit torromowersclub.com.au to win a Toro mower and heaps more. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Yeah, Brett Kamali in for Nick Davis this morning on the Mowers Club. Thanks to Toro. Got a big last hour coming up, including uh, Warren Smith will join us after drama at the weigh-in for the Cambosis fight. Devin Haney, lightweight title fight tomorrow in Melbourne. Cambosis didn't make the weight. This was moments ago on Fox Sports. So at the moment, Chairperson of the Combat Sports Authority, Simone Bailey, has an official figure of 135.36 pounds, 0.36 above the light weight limit. George Cambosis Jr. will have two hours to make the weight. 
And a 0.36 pounds. It might not take too long to get George down under the 135 pound limits. George currently running along Tullamarine Freeway <laughs> with eight jumpers <laughs> with on. With eight jumpers on and some garbage bags taped to his waist area. <laughs> we'll... Uh, We'll get hold of Oz in the last hour to uh, run us through exactly what went down and what George is up to right now to get underweight. Uh, do yourself a favour. Quick tip for people out there. What have you watched through the week, Nonny? I think you went to the I movies. I watched the Top Gun. Top Gun in the... Top Gun sequel. Top Gun sequel. I didn't watch the first one. I was told I should have watched it from Bring Back the Memories. You've never watched Top Gun? I have, but a long time ago. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. I know. I know. <sighs> you can be... You, you know, I'm... Okay, I've got a couple. Well, all you've got to remember is the, you know, the, the steamy looks they were giving each yeah, other. Yeah, still happen. The beach volleyball scene. That turns into a football scene. The bird upside down, all yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but you it was amazing. Yeah, down the cinemas at Cronulla. Obviously, um, it was good. I hadn't been to the cinemas for a long, long while, and it was mm. great to see Top Gun. Good, good, good really movie. good show. Unbelievable yeah. show. Yeah, I was very, very impressed with it. Just over two hours, but you wouldn't have even known. Did they redo the beach volleyball scene? They redid the beach volleyball scene. That's a shock. As a Gridiron scene. A gridiron yeah, scene. So it's a bit more team. Johnny football team, thing. Team, okay. Team bonding on the on the beach still with Rigs the out. ball. And two two balls going at once. So it's defense versus attack, you know, type of stuff. Yeah, rigs out. Mm. Tom's okay. there. Tom's got the rig out? Tom's got the rig out. Tom, Tom's Pretty good. Tom's, Tom's still pushing 60, wouldn't still he? Still looking cool. Yeah, but he is. Walks into the bar. Yeah. Lady um, at the bar looks at him. <laughs> oh, he did it. No one. Oh, he went again. No, same one. It was just a, the journey continues for oh, okay, it. So cool. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. Uh, do yourself a favour. Give yeah. it away. Got one? Yeah, just a quick one. On KO Sports, it's uh, the four kings of boxing. So, obviously, yep. Cambosis. Uh, ESPN 30 for 30 is unbelievable. So, I don't think you can go wrong if you do any sort of ESPN 30 for 30. Yeah, i got one as well. Uh, once upon a time in London, grad bit of a sinister tale about all the Russian money that infiltrated London over the last 20 years or so after Putin cracked down on capitalism when he got to power. How about that for your Saturday morning to take on board? <laughs> Pretty you're, heavy you're, story. A gang, you're a gangster from the Northern Beach. Well, <laughs> people <laughs> disappearing left, right and centre. It's a full-on story, but amazing. Absolutely amazing investigative journalism. That was ever. for John as well, who said the grubby commentary. So look, not only light and shade, John. Yeah, just dark, dark shade at the moment. Mainly third hour of the Mowers Club on the way. Plenty of guests on the way. Danny Badaris, Warren Smith, and also Lord Tristiano Mullahan will be joining us. Visit torromowersclub.com.au to win a Toro Mower and heaps more. Welcome to the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. Yeah, welcome back to the Mowers Club. Third hour on the way. Uh, Lord Tristiano Merlihan from topsport.com.au will be joining us with all the prices. Interested in his thoughts on the George Cambosis fight after George Miss White, Buzz Rothfield, has just tweeted a text from George's dad to say, hot shower, already on weight. So he's gone for a hot shower to Steve. lose the 163 grams, I think it was, 163 grams. Steam. Okay. Steam, steam up, steam up. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, you're with the Mowers Club, brought to you by Toro Mowers. Win big at toromowersclub.com.au. That competition closes next week. You can still register, update your equipment, or add to your Toro collection by winning this competition. There's a mower up for grabs. There's a blower as well. There's merchandise, the Mowers Club merchandise, all thanks to Toro. So we've got Danny Baderas on the way. And Blues Radio, by the way, this week, on SEN. So you've got the neutral call with Jimmy Smith and Scott Sattler. Won't be neutral. Sats will be biased towards Queensland. Anyway, un- unconscious bias. He'll be nice. Maroons Radio will be Mark Bragbrook and Gary Belcher. Why would you even listen to that south of the Tweed? North of the Tweed would be popular. But uh, your 
gearing up for joining Joel Kane and Spud Carroll <laughs> for, for the Spud. most biased call of all time. Spud will be coming off the back fence. <laughs> Spud will be when com- doesn't Spud come off the I back know, fence? I know, but I reckon Origin's going to just get him that little bit more hopped up. <laughs> jersey, give me my jersey. I want my jersey. Uh, I think yeah. Spud's out there before. I think there's a little. Um, I think we've got Jimmy Smith and Mark Carroll potentially out there before the game as well for Wednesday evening. Yep. Um, obviously a little bit of pre-show, but yeah. I'm looking Are you to- have you put in your orders by the way to duck away for a few functions and a few cashies on the side as well, like all it- you Origin legends do. It's an opportunity <laughs> to share your experiences, Adam, of what you've done in the past, and and. Send a few invoices out. Yes. <laughs> well, it's unfortunate <laughs> when you have to send the invoice, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You yeah. can't just get it in an envelope as you're walking out of the room. No, anyway. that's right. Um, no, yeah, but look, I'm looking forward to it. Um, always, always the greatest event of rugby league every year. Um, don't know what's going to go. It's it's the top three watched sporting hmm. event on on. that will be fantastic. It'll be unbelievable. So, yeah. Uh, and, and New South Wales fans, um, obviously all three origins were in Queensland last year. Um, so it'd be a great opportunity for to play a game back at mm. ANZ Stadium in our own fans with the blatchy blue wigs on and whatever else we're coming up with this year. Yep, 80,000 ate it there at uh, Acor Stadium. be a huge event and preparations are very much in full swing right now. This weekend is always an interesting weekend for players and coaches. The weekend before Origin, a few, uh, well, really important training sessions because all the bonding's done by now. But uh, to tell us all from inside the Blues camp right now, legend of, uh, of rugby league, Danny Baderis joins us. Obviously, Noddy knows him very well. And uh, Danny listening to, to Maddie and the crew yesterday talking about your neatness in camp. I dare say that you're following down that path right now and uh, really enjoying things as you prepare for hey. Wednesday night's game. Hey, Adam, yeah. I've actually got something that rivals me on that on that part, and it's Paul McGregor. He's, um, wow. he's definitely taken the gate. He's, he's in camp, so... Noddy's probably heard about him as well. Very neat. I think he puts uh, his next day's clothing out on his bed, and I'm definitely not at that level, that's for sure. Two of the nicest humans to be a part of anyone's <laughs> life with Danny Badiris <laughs> and Paul McGregor. Down to earth, train hard, country kids, love a beer. Is that sum up you, the camp? Pedsy, is that how we're approaching the week? Yeah, it's been a good good week, Nod. It's um, a couple of new faces, but that's always exciting as well to see the new faces come in. Uh, Joey Suwali, uh, Katoni, Katoni Stags, and also Jacob Sakrini. Those guys get a taste of it. And, um, you know, it's your first part of the week, as you said, it's about connecting and bonding. And, and then you start doing some really hard work sort of at the back end of the week. And I really like this part where you, you break and, and get home and see your families and, and come back in um, sort of first thing tomorrow and, and really get the pointer, pointy end of the preparation sorted. And, get really focused and you start to play on the emotions, I guess you could say, um, leading into, into Wednesday night from tomorrow. Do you feel like, that, Betsy, obviously you were such a great for New South Wales and the difference between club football and origin football is how to handle origin football. Do you share your experiences with some of the rookies? Do you like Does Freddie give you a couple of guys and does he give Mary a couple of guys and you sort of go around and talk to them and let them know what they're in for or what to experience or just get a feeling of how they're going if they've played multiple series as well? Yeah, I think that's the best part of camp. You just sort of, you're with each other and you just sort of get around and just get to know, really. You ask questions and, you know, they might sit down if they're comfortable enough. They'll they'll, they'll reach out and ask you about their uh, your experiences and, you know, the occasions and, and different things. And one thing, like, there's just so many stories you can tell about your build-ups and, you know, there's a negative for, you, for yourself, but you just never know what's going to happen. And, you know, that day when... You had you got an injury leading into um, Origin on the Wednesday night, and um, I always think about that. That everyone's got to be ready to play. We bring in big squads, but at the same time, it's 
you don't know what's going to happen. And Brett Finch came in and, and played a leading role. So there's always something that can happen that um, can throw you off track. But um, at the same time, we've got to prepare for everything. And we don't know who's going to go down in the game injury-wise or HIA. So you've got to keep getting guys in different positions and you just don't know what can happen. And that's the beauty of Origin footy. How's the uh, earthing gone this week with Freddie? And has there <laughs> been any dissenters who have just flat-out refused to do any earthing? Uh, no, everything's, everything's been good. Freddie sort of wound that back a little bit with the earthing. I think they all know what he's about by now. But, yeah, the, the breathing connection, that's that's one of the things we do every day and uh, the routine, getting up early. And um, But, yeah, we've we've been comfortable with um, you know, the preparation. This is our fifth year together and everyone understands um, what we're about. So, um, you know, Coogee's always a great spot. That seems like home, I think you can say, for a few South Wales and, um, in the Origin Arena, could you once you're there and then you just walk down to the ground and uh, the surf club's been great. We've just been hanging out there and doing our doing our thing. So, yeah, can't wait to get back in there tomorrow and um, get the pointy end sorted. So there's a – you take the approach of win the morning, win the day, do you, win Origin pretty, Camp? There's early mornings. There's none much. of these late nights, late night garbage kebabs no. at 2 a.m.? No, no, no. no fine. That's exactly right. We're, we're up at 6 o'clock as a staff and oh. we walk and talk and do our meetings, uh, walking through all, – all around Coogee and uh, we get in and then we start our um, start our sort of activation with the group and we, we stretch and then we, we breathe and then we sort of breakfast and we're on the field by sort of nine o'clock. So the players have all taken to it and, you know, they've, um, I think they find the benefits and then, um, you know, the, the sessions are really good and uh, everyone's you know, really happy with their week and I think that's the best thing from yesterday. Once you get a walk away from yesterday's session, you want to make sure everyone knows how to play and um, what our, what our um, roles will be and, uh, come come back in tomorrow. Can't wait to get back in there. Yeah, as you said, Betsy, everyone gets to go home and relax a little bit. So roll roll backwards for us from game night. Obviously, kick off Wednesday 8.05. What's the preparation from the players when they get back to camp tomorrow to, to that kickoff time? We'll be straight into a uh, session tomorrow and you can start to have a bit more of a look at Queensland and, um, you, know, so, you know, obviously the strengths, everyone knows where the strengths will be and um, what we need to sort of... Uh, what, what we'll see coming a little bit and you start to do a little bit more game planning, I guess you could say, and then um, they'll probably have Monday off and uh, freshen up and do what they need to do to, to really focus in on themselves as a, you know, personally and get their roles right in their head and have your captain's run and it'll be a, a real slight run on, on Tuesday Tuesday night, Tuesday afternoon and um, you know the jer- jersey presentation will be at some stage on, on Monday night as well, so... Yeah, once you come back in tomorrow, it's, it just comes down so quick. So it's, it's all back on the players tomorrow just to get their own um, own personal um, performances in place. Hey, Danny, obviously Origin is the quickest rugby league there is. It's the highest intensity. But Noddy and I were talking before about the profile of the two sides, and in particular Queensland, what they've gone for with their forward back. Would you imagine that, <laughs> it's easy to say this will be the fastest ever, but this will be one of the quickest, highest intensity games ever played, looking at the two teams? Yeah, uh, new referee as well. I think that's that's someone that's um, got to take that into account, how that'll be refereed. It's, they'll always have a, a say in it, but as you know, in origin, they, they let it go, and uh, it will be fast, there's no doubt. That's, that's that's why we love this game. We love it. what it's all about. The new rules, they'll come into place. The players have been a few years into the new rules now and understand how that all works, but you're definitely heading in the right direction there, Adam. What you're saying will be... Uh, a lightning speed of origin and um, we're playing at home, you know, whether or not it'll be a bit greasy there at Sydney, which it can be, and um, the conditions come into play. I think it's going to be fine, the weather, but 
you know, every every game's going to be different from you know where you play and how, how it's performed. And we've we've been away from home for sort of like a long time as New South Welshmen. Um, so we're looking forward to get a capacity crowd, which we haven't had for for years, and get everyone there, just um, especially the Blackies Blues, you know, in full in full song. Two parts to this question, Betsy. Uh The debutants or the newcomers to camp, who's impressed you, and the importance of the six, seven, and thirteen combination of the Penrith trio. How how will they be faring for New South Wales? Yeah, uh, mate, there's, there's plenty of, that have impressed, and the guys I've um, I've been there for a number of years have, have always impressed me. Every time you walk in, you, you just see those guys and the way they hold themselves on and off the field, uh, from you know, all the Penrith boys to um, you know Teddy. Uh, they're just the, the ultimate pros in the way they perform. But he probably won't get a run there on Wednesday night. But um, Joseph Suwali is someone that I, I just every time you see him, he's just such an impressive guy. The way he holds himself and what he can do um, on the field, but you know, he, he's in for a, a hell of a career, and um, but yeah, you, you're right. What you're saying about the Penrith crew, it's sort of it's a it's a well-oiled machine. It's a, you know such an important part of um, our, our night on Wednesday night. It'll be such an important part for Penrith's success for years to come. But um, yeah, the, the footy intellect and the way that they can break things down, and um, just see going back a few years ago when Freddie gave Nathan said, "Mate, this is your team." He said a while ago, like three years ago, and. You know, we're not there's some bumps along the way, but you can see with the faith and the confidence that it's instilled into Nathan that this is your team. It's um, you know it's, it's repaying um, New South Wales back and definitely Penrith back with the way he prepares and the way he plays the game. Nathan, he's uh, he's definitely a, an elite player and, and, and someone you've had in your team. Is the Joseph Sawali thoughts about bringing him in the camp so young? Is it just for him to experience what Origin's all about, knowing he's going to get to that level, Bedsy? Is this is this part of that? Give them preparation, get them around it as often as you can, so it becomes easier when the moment comes. Yeah, definitely not. That's that's a big part of it. That's a huge percentage of it. But at the same time, if something did happen um, in the build-up in the next few days, you'd have no problem just um, calling him in at the same time because he's a, he's such a well, um, just such a, a confident kid in what he can do, and he's very stable and his emotions you can see that straight away. So he's someone that um, if he had to play you'd say no problem but yeah that's it's definitely for the future and um, and how he just watching and how he gets to understand how um, origin tastes and, and, and definitely the preparation tastes uh, Bezzy just one on um, Noddy as a teammate did, did you ever room with him? I didn't room with Nod, but I've toured with Nod plenty of times. And mm. between golf and coffee, I don't know which was the number one thing. Footy, footy <laughs> fitted in somewhere and around there. But I think if you want to know a bit of a coffee connoisseur, that's your man there sitting right next to you. Your yeah, way. I can tell you from pretty much all around New South Wales and England. England, you go all over the globe, Nod would know where to go. Yeah, as vices go, that's that's clean living stuff, Nod. Well, I'd go and um, it's very clean. I would obviously, as Betsy said, go and have a coffee, sit with people, have a chat, get yeah. to know them. So I, yeah. I, I I liked keeping things. I like keeping things very simple. Play golf on, on the day off. Train hard. Yep. We, we have had some halfbacks over the years that um, had different vices. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, not just coffee. Yeah. Was yeah. there one gentleman in particular yeah. in Newcastle yeah. that yeah. you're alluding to there, Danny? He's a great friend of mine. Yeah, <laughs> we've all, I've got plenty of great friends that are halfbacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you connected so well with them, regardless of their lifestyle choices. Yes. You just had them on the same level. Danny, and that was a real strength of yours, I dare say. That's right. You've definitely got to be a, a, a combination between the nine and seven. So you've got to get to know him inside now, that's for sure. Fair enough. Um, mate, really appreciate your time this morning on the fact that you're uh, out of camp at the moment, but go back in um, tomorrow. And uh, thanks for the bit of intel about what's going on in New South Wales camp and good luck Wednesday night. 
Not a problem. Pleasure, boys. Thank you. Danny Baderis join us, joining us this morning. Not, did you like that um, mid-camp breaking away? Like, it seems to me, why wouldn't you just stay in there the whole time and go in a day later? No, I did like the the breaking away and going home. It just it just took your focus off. You go, you re- they've been in camp since Sunday at Coogee. I was at I was at Coogee Sunday evening. The players all assemble there. They do five big days. You go on break up for a couple of days. You you de stress about Origin. It can. It's not so much about the amount of training because, as you said, heard there, it's not about how often we train or mm. field sessions twice a day and how much practice you get onto the field. It's about not burning yourself before you get to next Wednesday night. Did and you by, ever do that? Yeah, hundred percent. Cooked, cooked, cooked mentally. Go and do photos when someone wants you to do photos. Do interviews when people want you to do interviews. It's the it's the most watched and media coverage game there. Who who goes to camp for ten days? Yeah. An Australian side goes to camp for five days before they play a test match. Mm. So you can cook yourself quite a lot. You can put a lot of pressure on yourself quite a lot. You can talk about it quite a lot. You get to the venue quite early on game day. There's no game to watch beforehand, so you get changed probably an hour before you. Should should because mm. you you don't you you're nervous and you're anxious and you want to get out there. So I think it takes a few opportunities or a few games to experience just to. Geez, that Wednesday must be a long day for a player. Very long. Oh. The longest day you can imagine. Yeah, especially when you wake up at six o'clock and go for a coffee and a stretch no. over. <laughs> Gee, we're off to a quick. Sure, they won't do that on Wednesday. We're off to a quick break on the Mowers Club. Back in a moment with Tristan Merlihan from Topsport.com.au. And welcome back to the Mowers Club. Yes, got it that time. Usually I got done. By the no stinger out of the, the news break at this this juncture. Oh, it's great that you're um getting you're learning this industry. <laughs> How long has it been going for? Twenty odd years. Twenty odd years. Twenty odd years. Yeah. 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 They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, you can't, generally speaking. <laughs> you just have to concentrate from time <laughs> to time. Anyway, yeah, welcome back to the Moles Club. We're just trying to get hold of Warren Smith at the moment down there in Melbourne to get to the bottom of exactly what went down. At the weigh-in, um, but yeah, dramatic morning with George Cambosis, who is defending his three belts in the lightweight division, uh, world boxing champion that he is, uh, weighed in heavy for his fight with Devin Haney, who owns the other belt in the said division. But uh, yeah, he's 163 grams over, but apparently he's uh, he's whipped, uh, wiped that off by going to have a hot shower, so he didn't even need to go for a run or whatever. But it, it is crucial because... As soon as they make weight, they don't have to worry about their weight anymore. So that's if they've had the cut, they then go and start rehydrating, replenishing, eating properly, all of those things, especially if they've had to starve themselves over the last 24 hours. So that time is now being cut into by having to do this after the weigh-in and the fight now in less than 24 hours because it's uh, on American time, the uh, the fight tomorrow. And you'd always think that it, they're doing it time-wise – there's got to be enough time for him to, if he has to take kilo or grams off, not kilos, grams off, mm. to weigh in. For him going for a quick shower, it sounds like it's not too hard to lose that weight. No. Otherwise, you're going to a sauna, you're going for a run, you're getting outside with multiple tracksuits on, as you said. But um, it'd be interesting. He'll get there, you'd think. He'll get, then he'll start mm. eating good, drinking good again. Mm. Bacon egg roll. Is it a smoky, though? Is it a throw-off? Eyes Ooh. up here, eyes up here. Dangerous. Create a bit of buzz. Dangerous throw off. Well. I'm buzz Well, because if he was going to make, I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking about UFC slash WWE just to create a bit of hype, bit of drama. Yeah. Well, UFC, if you don't make the weight, you don't make the weight. Too bad you miss out and whatever you're fighting for becomes irrelevant. That's, I think there was a recent fight where. There was, yeah. There yeah. Was, there's been heaps of problems in the UFC about 
fighters not making weights, but I'm thinking they're trying to tap into a bit of the WWE scene. Mm. So we're talking about it. We've talked about it for the last hour. Warren Smith. I don't think this is a play from George to do this on purpose. It was, uh, you you could do without it. Like, what do you have to gain out of it? Like, you, you, you probably... You gain, you gain for yourself. You don't gain anything. You gain anxiety. I get what Gibbo's saying. You heighten awareness yeah. about the fight being on. Did we become the serious show all of a sudden? Yeah, oh, very much. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, after John's comment, we've just gone straight down the line. That was just a bit of fun. Guys, you could have I know, John. It. Just relax, mate. It wasn't my words, King Kardashian, about what she wanted to do with excrement. And it, didn't stop him with the, it didn't stop him with the, um, the show ponying at the end there when they were face-to-face with each other. No, exactly. That was always going to be the case, so it's all bluster. And you watch that they have the fight, and then they'll go, "Oh yeah, really respect the guy. He's a great fighter." Blah blah blah. So it'd be a great fight, like two evenly matched lightweights at that division. There's, you know, they, they, you look at them. They've prepared ultra, ultra well. None of them have taken it would appear shortcuts in getting to this stage. So it uh, has the prospect of being an absolute beauty. So, uh, yeah, that takes place tomorrow. You can catch it on main event as well. Uh, we're going to hit a quick break here on the Mowers Club. Be back in a moment. Visit torromowersclub.com.au to win a Toro Mower and heaps more. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with Adam Peacock and Nick Davis. No, no Nick Davis. Haven't missed him this morning. Brett Kamali, fantastic stand-in. Noddy. Could be a regular fixture. Um, and we're shortly going to catch up with someone down in Melbourne um, talking about the fight. Just before we do, just, we touched on it earlier, Nod, about um, breakups with Milos Ninkovic. I've got my top five in order of best way to break up down to the worst. So Tell me what you think of this. So Milos Ninkovic, Sydney FC legend, won seven trophies at the club. He goes on Instagram last night to say, I'm breaking up with you, Sydney FC. I'm not going to be with you anymore. Um, no more. Nil by Milos going forward. Here's a one to five in my regard of how to do things. Whether it be a relationship, whether it be club situation. Number one, face to face. Mano o mano. He's one, he's one the top. You know, one's the one's top. The, okay. the best way to do it. Yeah. Face to face. Be honest. Look him in the eye. Thanks. It's not you. It's me. Whatever you want to say. Do that way. Yeah. Agree with that. This is your. I don't have to agree with you. This is your. No, no, your, you can you can yeah. agree or not. You can say yay or nay. You can say no. You're talking. I'll, I'll go I through the know, five. I'll see the five. Then yeah. I'll, we'll, we'll number see two. If you can't get face to face, if logistically it becomes impossible, especially in lockdown times, either a FaceTime or some kind of Zoom video link, face to face. So, not as personal as being next yeah. to each other, but still looking at each other and communicating. Three, the text message, or WhatsApp message, or Instagram message, DM, whatever. Four, get a friend to tell them. <laughs> I'm curious what your five is. <laughs> complete ghosting, number five. I just disappear. Just disappear. Just a complete Casper. See you later. Oh, why won't he or she return my calls? Happened to a mate of mine, actually. Really? In marriage. Got ghosted. What? Just didn't Ghosted to divorce. Yes. Did it still cost him? Don't think so. It was early on in the marriage, but yeah, completely goes. So what do you think of that one to five? Have I missed anything there? No, I think I'm, I was thinking you just write write a letter, mm. and just leave it on the bench, <laughs> just take it. Like no, no looking at anyone, no personal contact. That fits in between three and four, <laughs> I reckon. 
Text message, Text told message. by a friend. It, told by, yeah, just there's a letter on the bench. Pick it up when you get home. Anyway, we were padding, could you tell? To get to our, <laughs> our final guest of the Mowers Club this morning. He's been uh, good enough to join us at short notice. He was there at the weigh-in, noticed him there. He's all over his Australian boxing for Fox Sports News and various other outlets. Cody Kay joining us right now. Cody, what the hell Hello, went boys. down with this weigh-in this morning? How are you, mate? Yeah, didn't see it coming. Look, I spoke to George yesterday and he was really confident. He was only about a kilogram off. He's a perfect lightweight in terms of how well he uh, fits the division. But my understanding is that the scales that he used this morning in his hotel said he was 134.9 pounds. So he thought he'd made the weight. He came here, the scales were a little bit different. Um, And look, he was just over it, 0.34 over it. So we've just heard from him now. He had two hours to make the weight. He's gone and done it successfully. Weighed in at uh, 134.49, I think. So comfortably under it. Um, look, he said he just had to go to the toilet. Um, I probably would imagine that what he actually did was chuck on a sweatsuit and maybe do some pads, maybe do some skipping. It's not the end of the world, but um, I tell you what, going into the biggest fight of his career, it, it does surprise me that he wasn't here early to see the scales they had here because we've all used scales. Uh, we know it's all, we, we know that, um, you know, they can vary from one to the other. And it's just too much of a big fight to, to, to leave anything to chance when you're trying to make weight. So definitely a surprise. So take us through what happened from when he stepped off those scales. And we'll get to the little uh, to and fro that he had with the Haney crew after it. But from when he, the, the, the time he spent between stepping on the scales, exactly what he did, and it, what he came back to the same set of scales just then, did he, to, to redo the weight? Came back to the same set of scales. And look, there have been plenty of famous weigh where You've seen fighters have to strip off to their um, to their birthday suit and hide behind a towel. George tried that; it didn't work. So he says that he just went uh, to the toilet. Um, but I don't believe it. I think that really what he would have had to have done to have lost that much weight um, would have been to go and put a sweatsuit on, do some skipping, and try and make the weight that way. But he's not far off it. I mean, you're talking 0.36 pounds, but you've got to remember that this guy's already probably um, worked pretty hard overnight to get down to that weight. So then. After spend another hour and a half doing whatever he had to do is an hour and a half you lose where you're not re- rehydrating, you're not refueling. You already looked pretty drained to me, to be completely honest, when he failed to make the weight the first time around. Mm. So, look, you know, obviously George is going to say that he's fine and, um, you know, he's still got 24, 25 hours to recover for the fight, but it's not ideal. I mean, to be honest, when I spoke to George yesterday, he thought Devin was the one that was going to struggle to make the weight um, and it couldn't have turned out much any different. So, look, fortunately, that is why you're given a two-hour limit. Um, that's why fighters get a two-hour limit, because it does happen. It's just surprising that it's never happened to him before, and it happens on this stadium. Uh, sorry, on, on, on this stage. Yeah. It'll be just interesting, as you said, to see what it does to his performance tomorrow when he gets into the ring, with how much energy energy and draining does this little scare have in him. What about all the trash talk? How, who, who won that little victory? Yeah, well, Noddy, it's a good point. I mean, you know yourself from being an athlete that you need to make sure you've got plenty in the tank. As for the um, uh, look, as for the trash talk, I don't think George ever loses a trash talking contest, does he? I don't think he's ever lost one. He's undefeated there too. But um, look, these guys don't like each other. Um, you know, there's been a fair bit of animosity between them. There's been a fair bit of bad blood right between both camps. And earlier on, when George failed to make weight, um, the two camps almost got into it. So there's definitely a feeling of tension here. Um, these guys can't wait to get in and punch the you-know-what out of each other. But um, I also wouldn't be surprised if um, punches fly between the teams at some point because there really has been a lot of animosity built up right throughout this. We were all jammed in yesterday to a tiny venue for the press conference, um, a tiny, tiny venue, and it was heated there too. So 
you know, a lot of times at fights, you find that, you know, both teams get on. It's pretty cordial. It's been anything but. Um, and I believe that it's genuine, too. I mean, there's one thing trying to sell tickets. This has got a real feel to it. So um, shut yourself in because it's all going to go off tomorrow. That's for sure. Why? Where did that spark between that at agitation? Where's it come from between the two camps, do you think? It's been there for quite a while. Um, Devin Haney, when he first captured the WBC belt, he never won it in the ring. He was... He was um, Given to him when um, Vasily Lomachenko was elevated to the status of WBC franchise champion. That's a whole other story. So the toing and throwing started with the men, with um, George calling Devon the email champion. Um, look, they've been circling each other for a fair while. So this has been going on for over a year or two. It's pretty obvious these guys would meet at some point if they both continued on a winning trajectory. Um, and then uh, Devon was... As we all know now, George spilled the beans, saying that Devon had been giving, tipping him in to how he thought that he could beat PFMO Lopez. Um, and look, that certainly added to the spite because as far as Devon was concerned, I think those text messages were of a private nature and um, George let the cat out of the bag a couple of days ago. So there's no doubt both these guys have got a, got a, got a um, point to prove, but there's so much at stake here. I mean, it's the first time anyone will have had the chance to fight for the undisputed lightweight um, world championship and George has gone out of his way to say, I want to rattle him. I want to get in his head. And if he's done that, then maybe it can be something that he can use to his advantage uh, tomorrow. Mm, interesting. Hey, who was the big unit from um, George's camp who wanted to take on the big unit from Devon's camp right up the front there when that push and shove couldn't was Couldn't quite see, to be honest, mate. I was, there was quite a bit going on right in front of me. So I couldn't yeah. see, to be honest. But um, there are a few big boys here. And, yeah, there's definitely been a bit of, a bit of tension. I mean, Jim Cambos is George's old man. He's never far away from um, <laughs> from the thick of it. And I saw him being held back. So, yeah, yeah, plenty of drama. You always get it at the big fights. You're right, though, about the uh, – you, you look at a fighter at the weigh-in, and the thing I look for when, when you see them at the weigh-in to see how healthy they are, and there's two big examples in Australian combat sports that I can remember. Rob Whitaker before he fought at Adesanya – at Marvel yep. at the same venue a couple of years ago, and before that, way back when Costa Zoo fought Ricky Hatton, and you looked at yep. them on on the scales, and you went, "Good lord, they have not drunk yes. a sip of water for the last twenty four hours. They look so malnourished." And George didn't look like that to that extent, but he looked a little, you know, gaunt. If you know what I mean. They do, yeah. And look, as I said, look, George is a really, really natural lightweight. He's probably the most natural lightweight in the division. He usually, he's not a guy that blows out, which is why I think it's so surprising that um, they were so close to the limit. I mean, obviously just over it, but even to have left it that close at his hotel scales surprises me because um, it's not that hard for him to lose the extra half pound to make sure he's doing it comfortably. And um, look, that when you are trying to make weight like that, the difference of, you know, half a kilogram can really bring out that gaunt, drawn look. And um, as any fighter will tell you, if you push it too far, it is difficult to recover, particularly if you're going into a fight, which I expect this one to be, it'll be 12 rounds. I don't think either of these guys will be knocking the other one out. Um, It's going to be, you know, George traditionally fights at a frenetic pace. He throws a lot of punches. He needs to make sure he's got the energy to do that. So um, let's just hope that it's not too much of a um, setback for him and that he can rehydrate and refuel properly between um, now and tomorrow afternoon. Nothing a stalagmite special kebab uh, Euros won't fix with a bit of extra <laughs> garlic sauce. Uh, I'm sure you're going to sample that, Cody, in the next 24 hours. But, mate, we'll let you go. Really appreciate you joining us uh, at short notice on SEN, and thanks for bringing us up to date with the, the drama this morning at the weigh-in for the Cambosis fight. Pleasure, boys. Thanks for your time. Cody Kay from Fox Sports News. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of fun.
bit of fun before the fight. I will be interested to see what he looks like. If you you look at the two yeah, pitches, yeah. Cambosis now and when he walks out tomorrow, it'll be uh, it'll tell a tale, I reckon. A bit more, bit more colour, a bit more excitement to him. Yeah. Uh, how many kilos will they put on now? Like what? What? Oh. Obviously, there's no limit they can get to, but obviously, if it's got to be premium foods. It's got to be lots of water. If you're yeah. going twelve, what twelve three minute rounds? That's four, five, maybe four, perhaps. But you don't want to get talk to heavy. fighters before. You don't want to overdo it. Yeah. And then you feel because all of a sudden you're you're changing your metabolism. Well, talking about uh, I don't know what that means, but uh, you did like a. Mm. That's how I feel every morning yeah. when I wake up. Jolly Kane's breaking up. He's having a break up. <laughs> yeah. He's done it by a text as well. <laughs> he's done it by a text. Jolly, is that number three on your list? Uh, that was number three, three yeah. yeah. He's breaking up by a text. Yeah, he, he didn't want to tell King's Trust through a friend yeah. or ghost King's Trust that breaking up. But yeah. unfortunately, Joel Kane, who's getting set for crunch time, and I can see him out there with James Magnuson and Adrian uh, Proshenko. Jolly's been out at uh, Junior Sport all morning yeah. and listening to uh, us on the way in. And also... He's broken up by a text. Races, but... Uh, <laughs> We've got a pump-up song to let us go. Noddy, okay. thank you for your time this morning. It was good fun. Thank you, Adam. It was great Cheers, to be mate. here. Um, Gibbo, thank you. You playing rugby this Arvo, mate? Not sure. Okay. <laughs> I hope he's told the coach. Break up via text for the game. With Top Gun out again, we'll go out with this one. We're off. Enjoy your Saturday, everyone. Crunch time's on the way. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.